Welcome in, Bench Warmers. Episode 37 of the Far End of the Bench podcast with Jimmy Pilato and Nico Bryant. And we got a ton of stuff to talk about. Jam-packed episode. Full two hours going to be used here. So be sure you're ready for it. Uh, we start off with my center of attention, actually. And I talk about Jackie Robinson's day as that happened last week in the MLB, April 15th. Then we recap some of the NBA stuff that's gone on. Unfortunately, we got to talk about Jamal Murray's injury that happened after we recorded last week. Uh, then we talk about some NHL, the avalanche on a COVID break. Might not be the worst thing for them. MLB talk and some NFL draft hidden gems as well. So lots of stuff to get into to finish out with our partnership segments. And then you'll also be hearing a segment recapping or actually previewing UFC 261 coming up this weekend with three title fights. So we'll be talking about all three title fights with Rev uh, that you'll hear after we get through our normal episode. So jam-packed far end of the bench be sure to follow us at feotb pod all our social medias subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform and subscribe to us on youtube as well we just posted our men's rec league postseason highlights that was a ton of fun so be sure to check that out and all the other clips that we've been posting there as well uh but nico we're not getting getting the bag like ben Askren did but i mean we're, we're gonna lay down some uh whoop ass like jake paul did right maybe, man maybe we need to enter like a boxing thing and try to get try to get, catch the bag too yeah i mean i'll fight jake paul i'm sure i can i'll put up a better fight than ben Askren did. i've had a large mouth pass bust my line a couple beautiful girls tell me goodbye trucks break Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's Center of Attention. And it's something that we maybe should have talked about last week, but we didn't have a ton of time to talk about baseball. So I figured I'd take my Center of Attention and talk about Jackie Robinson Day, which did take place this past week, April 15th. Uh, April 15th, 1947, that's the first day that Jackie Robinson took step foot on an MLB field as a member of the Brooklyn Dodgers. And since then, it took a lot of fighting and a lot of different things, and we're obviously still working through some of the struggles that he had to face early on in his career with everything that happened over the summer. But it's still incredible to think that one person was able to step on the field and completely change the way history was written. Um, that movie 42 is a great, I think, representation of his life. Obviously, Chadwick Boseman passing away at the end of last year makes that movie a little bit more significant now too. Um, the, the one thing that I wanted to put, put out there is that you have to do something legendary to be retired at one ballpark with one jersey. And Jackie Robinson did something to where he's retired throughout the entire league. All 30 Major League Baseball ballparks have 42 hanging in the rafters. And on April 15th, everybody wears 42 and Robinson across their back. Um, and, and it's cool to see the strides that we've taken in the 75 years since his first game that he played. Um, and I'm interested to see what what comes next and who's the next player to have this kind of an impact because I feel like sports is due for something like that. Uh, so that's this week's Center of Attention. And now let's get into the rest of episode 37. 
This episode of The Far End of the Bench with Jimmy Pilato and Nico Bryant is presented by the Unhinged Sports Network in partnership with Fanatics and Fubo TV. Yeah, I think um, with Jimmy's center of attention there, man, I think that hit the nail on the dot. Obviously, last week with Jackie Robinson Day, everyone wears 42. It's it's always something awesome to see. Um, Jackie Robinson was a person that gave pathway to not only African-American baseball players, but you can talk about the Lee Elders, who first African-American to um, mm. be in the Masters, the Willie O'Rees. Um, or the Floyd Littles, or the the um, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Like he he was one of the first people, not only in just baseball, of many of the American sports that was able to get into these. And um, 42 is is a special number for a reason. Yeah, it's obviously I think one of the main things that you like to bring up with uh, with Jackie Robinson is the fact that he'd never struck back. And everything that he was getting, he never tried to give it back in return. And that's what a lot of these guys had to do because most of the players that didn't want integration with the leagues were, were trying to go after them purposely to get them to retaliate and then get them kicked off. Mm. Um, it's a lack of a better comparison, but the same thing that in Happy Gilmore, that shooter was trying to do with Happy, just trying to get him to blow up so that he gets kicked out. But I mean, we talked about level for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like I said, it's not the same Same level, not the same comparison, but that's the the tactic that they're trying to use. Uh, But yeah, there's always been you got to have those guys that step up. And I think in the NFL, there's not really one singular African-American player that came in and had that impact. But you talk about the Jim Browns early on uh, with Cleveland. Ernie Davis was the first African-American Heisman Trophy winner. Mm -hmm. And then, like we said, Floyd Little being the feature back and one of the first feature backs that I can remember that was African-American. But this is a a big year, especially for that. You said the masters did a presentation on Lee elders. Yeah. Talk about the masters with Matsuyama being the first Japanese player. So the barriers continue to be broken down and, and everything for as divided as things seem, everything is starting to kind of meld its its way together. I mean, yeah, you can. It's it's not only that you can. We can talk about uh, women in sports too. You can throw that into that conversation too, because what we're seeing not only with women's basketball, gymnastics, or softball. Um, uh, women's soccer, women's well. soccer, especially. I mean, you women's soccer carries the U.S. Yeah. soccer program. Well, yeah, the, <laughs> especially in the national national stage, the men's team is happy to be there. The women's team dominates, dominates Exactly. So women's sports as well as African-Americans mm-hmm. getting in, in different uh, international races, getting into more sports is beautiful to see because to see, sports, is, sports is not a singular game. It's it's a game that should be played by everyone, whether it be basketball, whether it be football, whether it be golf or or, or, or baseball. It's sports are for everyone, mm-hmm. and it's, it's awesome to see things like this constantly happen. It's the great equalizer. It brings you in contact with people that you never would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we we talk about it all the time. That's one of my favorite things is that the people that we got to play with were from different backgrounds. I mean, we're from not – we have different backgrounds as to how we got to the, mm-hmm. the teams that we were on. So it's the great equalizer, and it's one of those – one of those common factors, and I think we saw that over the year of the pandemic, is that once sports came back, I mean, even even before they did, you think about last year at this time, the last dance was what we were all tuning into, but that was the first thing live that you got to tune into sports-wise, and it did very well because people were like, I need to just I need something. I need, I need watch. something. <laughs> and Jordan, obviously, that, that Bulls team deserved to have that kind of attention paid to them, but 
sports is the one thing that brings people together, and, and that's why we enjoy doing this show every single week for the last 37-plus weeks that we've been doing yeah. it. Um, but it's, I mean, it's just a great thing and, and it's something that everybody can enjoy. Exactly, man. That couldn't have said it better. All right. Now let's get into some recap and, uh, I'll save the more disappointing stuff. Let's, let's bash on the rest of the teams here before we have to talk about some of the bad things that happened for the nuggets in the time that we've recorded episodes. Um, exactly. <laughs> Philly has now made a, a little bit of a late season push. Obviously there's st- still quite a bit of time until the playoffs, but they're now number one seed in the East over Brooklyn. Brooklyn, uh, you said it last week, they look like the Clippers of last year, and I think that they're just proving that every time that they go out now. Oh, man, look, you don't like I said last week, you don't know what team you're going to get. You don't know if Harden's playing. You don't know if KD's playing. KD played a half against the Heat on, I believe it was either Sunday or it was on Saturday. And, man, look, this Nets team, man, I'm super worried. Because, look, the, either one of these teams right now are lined up to play the Heat in the first round. Because mm-hmm. the Heat are probably going to be a 7 or 8 seed. If they somehow lose in the playing tournament and end up with the 8 seed, that's a nightmare matchup for Philly or Brooklyn. Look, Philly has been playing well. Hats off to Embiid. He's not the best center in the NBA, but he hats off to Embiid. Um, he's been playing really, really well. And their role players have been stepping up. The additions of Seth Curry – uh, not Steph Curry, Seth Curry, the younger brother yeah, that hit the yeah, big the shot one. at Duke. That's not the best shooter of all time, so not that one. Um, but, yeah, they, they all those additions, the offseason definitely has helped them. The question is, is do the Sixers have the will and do they have the right mindset in the playoffs? Because we've seen what happened in years past, whether it be Giannis dominating this team or them losing in the first round last year or the year before to Kawhi Leonard hitting the game winner mm-hmm. where it bounced on every part of the rim to go in. Is that the backbreaker for the Sixers team? Can they get past that? Because that's the question. Because, look, we know what we know. KD and Kyrie know, know what it takes to get to the championship. Yeah. Even if the Nets are struggling, even if the Nets are barely getting wins, they'll show when it times when time's ready to go. But Philadelphia, I don't know. Yeah, and you got to think they've had some really good players on their teams in these collapsed seasons. Like they had Jimmy Butler recently in the playoffs before he went to Miami. And now you're relying on guys like Ben Simmons, who I think you could say Ben Simmons had a better season this year than he has in in the rest of his career. He's not the next LeBron like people were thinking he was going to be. But you got to rely on guys like him to step up. And really, he hasn't shown the mental toughness at all that you have to show in in the seven-game series. That's why the Heat, that's why we're looking at the Heat as a seven-seed as a possible very scary team for one of these top teams to play because they have the mental toughness and they have the culture to fight through a playoff series. It's seven games, or, and and you see you see what happens when these teams build up a big lead and let it go seven games. Oh, yeah. Utah it, and Los Angeles, we're going to continue to drive that nail home. You blew 3-1 leads. That's that's the only reason why Philadelphia – that's what, that's the reason why the East in general seems like they don't have a chance to win the NBA championship this year. It's just because, I mean, look, because those teams all seem mentally weak. Boston has been playing well, but we don't know what Boston we're going to get when it comes to playoff time. But the Bucks are a sleeper now. They were, for for years, they were the number one seed. Mm-hmm. Now they're the three seed, and people are like, man, is this team still good? And, but, I mean, Giannis is still there, but, like, they don't know if they can overcome because if you look at the West, you can make a case for at least one through seven, maybe eight, like – of the playoff list to make the Western Conference Finals. You can make a case for all te- all seven or eight teams yeah. to make the Western Conference Finals. 
that's that's something you cannot talk about in the East. Like, although I love what the Knicks are doing, they're in the first round exit. Yeah, although I love what Lamelo or or not Lamelo Ball, but what the Hornets have been doing, they're a first round exit. The Bulls have are young and talented, but they're a first round exit. The, yeah, the, the Bulls are even. They're not even in the play in tournament at this point. The Hawks are a four seed, and I think that's your biggest. That's the biggest red flag when you look at the Eastern Conference. Exactly. The fa- the the Hawks being able to be a four seed, with them only having Trey Young, and nobody else. That's a problem. That's a problem for your conference and the the competition level in general. Um, do you think it was just the President's Trophy curse for lack for like quote unquote President's Trophy curse for Milwaukee, or do you think that they they really just don't have depth behind Giannis? I mean, look, they years past team when it comes to playoffs, playing a team for at least at minimum four games, there's a game plan put in place for star players. There's a game plan defensively and offensively to take those players out of their game. And when you're the case of the Milwaukee Bucks, what those teams were defensively doing was making Giannis A, shoot the ball, and B, facilitate. When Giannis was facilitating the ball, he was not getting help whatsoever. He was not getting help whatsoever. Chris Middleton, who was an all-star two, for two years in a row, not this year, but two, two years back, and he was an all-star, and he just did not show in the playoffs. And the addition of Drew Holiday this offseason may help them in the long run, but that's the big what-if for Milwaukee because there's no doubt about Giannis' ability. But the reasons why they're successful teams um, that make it so far in the playoffs, excluding LeBron's teams because LeBron makes everyone around him better, that's just, I mean, that's, the, that's a whole different scenario. But, like, Giannis has to have reliability around him. And that goes the same with Joel Embiid. Because, yeah. look, Ben Simmons, good defender. No doubt about his defensive ability. Very good defender. And But I am worried about every time he has a ball in his hand late in the game. Yeah, he's I, not the, a If shooter. the ball is not in – if the ball, it's, it's the hack-a-shack rule almost. If the ball is in Ben Simmons' hands with at least two minutes under the clock, you keep the ball in his hands. You don't let the ball touch Joel Embiid's hands. Because mm-hmm. if you make Ben Simmons beat you offensively – then you'll be able to sleep at night because you know what? If Ben Simmons knocks a three in my eye for a game winner, I can go to sleep at night knowing, you know what? He has hit his first three in the playoffs of his career. Mm-hmm. Like that That's something that just Ben Simmons just doesn't have. No, it's uh, its strange because they, they have the ability. If Ben Simmons could shoot, they would be one of these teams where they can dominate you inside and they can go out and, and play with you on the perimeter as well. Really, they're they're set up like one of the old school '70s teams where there's not even a three point line. You it might not might as well not even exist because you know Ben Simmons can't Ben Simmons can shoot a volleyball into the into a pool mm-hmm. at this point or a beach ball into a pool. And Joel just you can't win playing underneath the rim. You got to have some some shooting ability. He ha- he has a little bit of shooting ability, but like I mean, look, Simmons, man, he's he's a person where. Everyone's be like, man, what if Ben Simmons this? What if Ben Simmons that? The dude's playing in the league for five years. Would you consider him a bust? No, he's no. not a bust because he's still an all-star type player because he still puts up good assist numbers and he still puts up te- – he, he's the same type of player Chris Paul is now. So Chris Paul but, – but Ben Simmons is a better defender, if that makes sense. Chris Paul right now is getting you 12 points a night but getting you 12 assists, five steals, five mm. steals. Like that's that's Ben Simmons' numbers for you. Like Ben Simmons is not out there necessarily lining up the score sheet. 
he he does that every now and then. So does CP3. But Chris or Ben Simmons is out there to guard your best player, and that's what they use him for. But if that's your second best player behind Embiid, and he, the dude doesn't have a single outside shot, and I know you may be saying Nico, man, he can shoot the ball, blah blah blah, mid range. I'm like, you know what? We talk about Lonzo Ball having a terrible three point shot. The dude that can actually shoot. Like it looks pretty. Like, like it may not go in all the time. Yeah, but ben, like it's ben Simmons still something. Is, ben Simmons shot is tough to watch. Ben Simmons throws up threes, and you're like, "What just happened? Like, like what? Is he, like, is like, he okay? Like, is is that man okay? Like, someone check on Ben. Like, like it's it's that's scary and weird about it. Yeah, and that's just unheard of. Yeah, it's that's, that's why I think Philly is going to downfall in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think that we can chalk Ben Simmons up to a guy that maybe had a little bit too much hype. Oh and, yeah. I mean, way too much hype. Yeah, and and we want every single generation. We want a guy to be the next, whatever LeBron was the next Michael. We wanted Ben to be the next LeBron. There really isn't. I mean, LeBron is still being LeBron. There isn't a next LeBron. I w- I would say maybe the closest we have would be Giannis. I think Giannis. Yeah. I think Giannis or, or Zion. Giannis, Luca, or Zion are the next LeBron of this league. Those are the faces once LeBron retires in fifteen years. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. once LeBron is done at age fifty-five, and <laughs> and maybe at the, at that point he'd be done. Uh, Luca's only, Luca's younger than us, by the way. I know. I didn't he's, didn't understand he's that like until twenty-one, twenty-two. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk a little bit. I'll talk a little bit more about Luca because he comes up in in one of my segments. Um, but let's talk about the not so fun news now. And that would be the stinger. Yeah. And and our episode probably sounded like we were ridiculous last week. We recorded that before Jamal Murray was out for the rest of the season. He was injured or like nursing an injury. And then in the game that they were playing the night we were recording, that was the game where Jamal ended up actually going down and tearing his ACL being done for the season. Um, so that was a tough, tough blow. And it really changes things quickly for this Nuggets team. Because before that, the eight and two stretch. They looked really good. Looked dominant. Seven and zero with Aaron Aaron Gordon and, and Braids. Everything like that. Still undefeated with Aaron Gordon and Braids. Just yeah, point still that out. still undefeated with him and, and Braids. But now without Jamal Murray, what's the realistic expectation for this team? Oh, there's no expectation at all. And you know what? I love it. I love it because yes, Jamal. Without Jamal, it's going to be very very tough for us. But there was expectations. There was, and the Nuggets thrive on zero expectations. That's true. There was zero expectations for us to beat Utah. We had a .002% chance to beat the Clippers, and we did. And that's exactly what this team needs. Because, look, people are like, you know what? The Nuggets will be around next year. They'll be fine. Jokic is having a good year. But everyone else, they're just, they're just going to be a rollover in the first round. And maybe that's true. Maybe we end up with the Lakers in the first round, and hopefully that doesn't happen, but maybe that's true. But, look, we have the MVP. We have a player in Aaron Gordon who has been playing some of the best basketball of his career. And then we have a kid by the name of Michael Porter Jr. who is putting on a tear right now. The dude is averaging 25 a night ever since Jamal's gotten hurt. And, yes, that's where the pick, That's where the points will pick up right there. People yeah. want to talk about, well, your point guard presence hurts. People sleep on Monte Morris. Monte Morris is, is the best backup point guard in the NBA. The best. Would be I a starter will, many places. Be a starter on many teams. And Monte Morris will fill in that role, and he won't demand the ball. It's not like Monte is going to pick up the shots. That's where MPJ shots will come up more. Mm. So now the production offensively is going to have to come from somebody else. But the leader, offensive role leader on the, from the point guard position, it will be just fine. So I'm very interested to see how this rest of the season goes. But like I said, there's no expectations. 
And if we lose first round, okay, you know what? We'll come back firing next year. We, we surprise some people again. Well, here we are again having another fun run. So yeah. that's where we're at because it's going to be very tough to get past this tough Western Conference with only one all-star. Um, it's, it's, we're going to have to get Jamal back next year and hopefully maybe, maybe we make a run and make, make and surprise some teams. That's all I'm hoping for. But there's, it's a, it's, it's a good feeling. Cause you know, cause I know where this team's at and I know the direction we are cause we are contender. And when we are back fully healthy, this team can beat anyone. This is a good chance to use the rest of the season as an audition for next year and, and mm-hmm. see what. Tim Connolly should be watching this team and what's going to make them successful moving forward and see Jamal Murray back in the lineup next year because this is what you can, like you said, now that you don't need to go to the Western Conference Finals at least and, and see if you can make your first NBA Finals, now you can kind of play around with a little, a little bit more. I think Aaron Gordon's going to have to step up offensive production. He's been playing really well defensively and getting a lot of rebounds. I would like to see him score a few more points now that Jamal's going to be gone, but... There's a there's some good that's going to come out of this, honestly. And, and I think one of the bigger things that's good out of it, like you said, is now this team has another year to cook. Because I feel like we were trying to microwave them a little bit towards the end. They were playing really well, but it's a lot of expectations to go from, oh, no, they should be a very competitive team to they have the MVP candidate, they have another all-star, they're going to the Western Conference Finals, and if they don't make the NBA Finals in the next three years, it's a, it's a bad, bad stretch. Now they can kind of... Slow cook it a little bit more. Take your time and make sure that it's perfect. Tim Connolly should use this opportunity to do that. I mean, Tim Connolly, man, look, I can't say enough good things about him. Jamal Murray posted a story today about him flying to L.A. because that's where most players get their surgeries, ACL surgeries done. And who's on the plane with him? Tim Connolly. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's that's a that's a GM and a president that you want behind you, and a person that even though when your second best player goes down an injury like that, you know he has your back, and that he'll 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 make sure that you're fine, that you you got the right facilities, and that you can come back fully healthy and come out swinging, because yeah. that's exactly how Jamal Murray will be. That's how these general managers can improve their team situations, because that's really what Joe Sackick does for the Avalanche, and what Tim Connolly did. I, I'm going to keep going back to it, and I on the video I posted today on our Twitter, I said it too. People forget how bad play was in the ball arena just a few years ago. Patrick Wall Very was a bad, coach yeah. of the Avalanche, and we had Brian Shaw, Brian Shaw Brian for the Shaw. Nuggets. God, and dude. there was not a playoff game played in that arena for like three years straight. And now we've seen what the general managers who take time and invest in their players can get out of them. Joe Sackett comes in, completely revamps that team, that's that's the team that we have to talk about with championship now or it's a bad like bad series or bad season so we'll talk about that a little bit later but the nuggets as well i mean once tim Connolly invested in Jokic and murray as his stars he's getting other guys to to buy in i think aaron you saw it with the aaron gordon gordon signing because i don't think that denver it should be looked at as more of a destination, but in NBA free agency, Denver's still oh, a flyover city. Not at all. We are not seeing it as, seen as a team that no, it, people want to come to. The Aaron Gordon was a good step in that direction, and I think Tim Connolly is doing the right things in building. He's doing similar to what Andy Ellsberg did in Miami. He's building a culture so that when guys come available, they're going to look at Denver like, oh, yeah. I'll go there and and know that the guys that I'm playing for have my back. There's a, there's a far difference between being too hands on like um I can't what's what oh man this is gonna bug me Jerry Jones no not Jerry Jones well Jerry Jones obviously and then the the GM for the Bulls when Jordan was there 
Oh, oh. in the last dance too. God, yeah. that's gonna bug the hell oh. out of me. But you, you yeah, you know who I'm talking about. That GM, how he was so hands on about what what the team did and how the players acted certain ways and what trips they did and how he was so active about Jerry that. Krause. There we go, Jerry Krause, and how he was so nitpicky about that. Mm. Like, there's a difference between that and Tim Connolly. Yes, Jerry Krause was very very successful and he got the right players at the right time. But Tim Connolly is realizing that, but also doing the factor of being a pl- a player type or a president and being there for your players when they need you and not only having that relationship. I mean, I go back to the RJ Hampton trade. RJ Hampton had a post game press conference where, I mean, maybe this is tampering. (laughs) It probably is, but he said, Tim Connolly still texts him after every game. Like, Oh, you got to work on this. This is where Connolly is a student of the game. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to see a guy like that. on not only be here, but stick around. Because there was rumors flying around Conley leaving to, um, I think it was New York at the time, or there was a few other places, or Brooklyn was one of the spots. And Conley's name popped up, and he came out and said, no, I'd like, I want to stick with what I'm building here. And GMs, in the past for the Nuggets, you look at um, Masai Ujiri, who won the, the NBA championship with Toronto. He started here in Denver. He, got, he, he left for a bigger job. Um, people like Tim Connolly come once in a generation. Same with Joe Sackick. It's cool to see both of them in the same arena. Yeah, and I those are guys that I have full confidence in whatever they're doing for the team because I know the direction that they're trying to take their teams. And that's something we can't really say about George Payton with the Broncos right now, but that's something that we can say about the general manager of the Rockies, and it shows in the record that they have so far this yep. season <laughs> that when you – when you're you have too much hubris in your own abilities and don't look at the team's best interests and just look out for yourselves, things go wrong and, and things have gone way wrong at Coors Field. But I'm glad to see the Nuggets doing what they can to make sure that they stay in good graces with with everything going on. Uh, real quick, other news in the NBA: Steph Curry's insane. God damn, dude, this dude's unreal. He's in and he's pissed off because. Uh, do you think Curry did that on purpose, kind of like a Jeff Gundy? Uh, move at Oklahoma State or Mike Gundy where you take the guy out before he can break one of your records? Oh, man, look, Steph Curry, man, it's 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 getting ridiculous. Like, look, he, ha- he has been the greatest shooter of all time for a few years now. It's been known fact. But I feel bad for him because people are, are constantly sliding LeBron because he doesn't win championships when he had terrible teams. Well, Steph Curry has a terrible team. And they're not winning games, and that's one of the that's one of the things that make LeBron so great too. Because LeBron's had teams like the one Steph Curry is on, and got them to the finals. Steph Curry needs the help of Klay Thompson, like people need the help of other players. Everyone doesn't have the luxury of having LeBron James on their team. Yeah. So Steph Curry, man, he, what he's been able to put up numbers, it's unreal. Like it's video game numbers. Forty five threes last last week, and he tied. He he was at the top of like all the team scores. He, he has more threes, or he has more 10-plus ten, ten three-point field goals games than all the top 10 combined. So he has 20. The top 10 combined all have 19. <laughs> like, like it, the dude is just unreal. I just, like, I would like, uh, I don't know, that brings up a good good debate that we could probably revisit. But would you rather be able to shoot like Steph or be able to dunk? Dude, I don't know. Shoot like Steph, bro. That's what I'm saying. I don't saying. know, man. Where I could just throw it up from wherever on the court as long as I'm past half court. I don't know. That... I don't know. The dunking ability would be more secure. But, yeah. like, the, the three-point shot, though, if I could shoot like that, 
consistently. Oh man, you got a three on the highlight video that I know. I can shoot. I can shoot. We posted your three. Jeremy got a couple threes. There's. I did better at picking out our highlights in this video instead of just posting. You know, when we were getting ran up and down the floor. Yeah. But. Um, and then last thing I kind of wanted to talk about Zion. Did you see that press conference? Oh man, that is that's it was strange. It was, oh, it was strange. All this, the- everybody knows that the NBA is tampering. It should be the tampering basketball association. But oh, the worst part about it was I was like, he he got asked a question. He was like, what was it like playing in Mass Square Garden for the first time? He was like, dang, finally one of you guys asked me. That. Thank you for asking me that. Thank you question. for asking me that question. Mm-hmm. And we're like, hold up. I mean, look. Zion should have been a Nick two years ago. Mm-hmm. The Knicks lost the lottery. <laughs> all we, I mean, you maybe don't remember this, no, but I, 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 def, I do remember all the all these yeah. the uh, photoshops of Zion, KD, and Kyrie in Knicks jerseys. Yep. All those were made, and man, look, there's a good shot Zion is Nick at end of script. I will bet a lot of money on that happening because look, he's only in his second year. He still has his rookie contract to fill out and a lot of different things going on. But one of his best friends still in the league is RJ Barrett and he's on the Knicks and the possibility of the Knicks now being a contender in the East. Yes. It's going to take a lot more, but Julius Randall is an absolute stud and have a starting five or at least front court of Julius Randle at the five, Zion at the four, R.J. Barrett at three. That's a front court that in five, four or five years is very, very deadly. Yeah. It would be just poetic justice for Duke to go in and revive the New York Knicks franchise too. The blue blood of college goes in and revives the blue blood of the NBA. That would be a, a strange possibility. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. At that point, if New Orleans gives away Zion – they're just a, they're the NBA's farm organization. Oh no, because they've given away AD, and they've given away Lonzo, and then they'd give away Zion. It's just it's, I don't know. It but. was just it was just so funny how he tried to save himself. He was like, oh, second favorite behind behind playing at Smoothie King Center is what the, what right the, yeah what the, no I can't right, believe that right. he, we, he even put those words together in a sentence. No, I love playing at Madison Square Garden, the mecca of sports. But second behind Smoothie King Center, yeah, in it's New like Orleans. somebody going. No, I love playing at the Little Caesars Arena. I, I definitely don't wish this, that it was still the Joe Louis Arena, <laughs> Little Caesars. It's fast and ready. Haha. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it was funny though. I, I'll give Zion knows what he's doing. And Zion's so much fun to watch, too. So I wouldn't hate him in New York. Because New York basketball is kind of fun to watch, I'll be honest. If he goes to New York, I think he signs the biggest shoe deal of all time. Well, he already has a shoe deal. I know Jordan, he has a shoe but, deal, I mean, but makes I think he bigger, gets, yeah. yeah, I think that he then, Jordan's going to look at him and go, i got to capitalize on this. The same way. I am going to capitalize uh, the fuck on, out of this. Him and Luka, he has Luka, too. Yeah. That, I mean, he's gonna true. have he's gonna have he has Luca and Zion. He, they would Jordan own, basketball. Jordan basketball would own the, on the next entire one. country because the West would love Luca, the East would love Zion. Um, but that's the same way, like he said in the last dance. You know, Republicans buy shoes too. Like everybody, <laughs> everybody I don't care that shoes. it's my it's my name on the shoe, but they're Zion's shoes. Um, Zion Zion's moved the needle ever since high school. And the craziest thing that, that I can remember about Zion was when he blew out his shoe, Nike's stock dropped like 15 points from yeah, that night. nobody bought that shoe. No. They were like, what? He was like, and ironically enough, he was in the Paul George's. He should yep. have probably not been <laughs> yep. wearing Paul George's if you know anything about lower leg injuries. Um, 
But yeah, no, Zion, if I've known about Zion for that long and I actually turned on a college basketball regular season game to watch Zion play, he belongs in New York media. And I think he's one of those guys that would really thrive in the New York media. Hey, that's why I'm saying Trevor Lawrence to the Jets too, buddy. Trevor and Zion leading New York sports. That's Ooh. We gotta hope that the Ooh, we gotta hope that? that the Jets were able to play some Jedi mind trick on the Jacksonville front office, which you know it's it's a big possibility. I mean, that'd be that'd be kind of sick. I, I can picture Trevor Lawrence. He's he gets a deal with Jordan as well, and we have uh, Jordan uh, New York teams with with uh, isn't Judge. Jordan too. Yeah, Judge is Jordan. You have Judge, you have um, Trevor Lawrence, you mm-hmm. have Zion, all Jordan athletes playing in New York. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. It would be. That would be. I mean, it feel like we were back at the beginning of all major sports, and New York would be the the. It's one of the centers of sports, anyways. But it would be the real the center of sports. Again, yeah. yeah, it would be incre- It would be crazy. I do want to see Zion. I would be cool to see Zion play at Madison Square Garden. I want to see a game at MSG, anyways, and that would be a cool person to yeah, watch. MSG is a bucket list still for me. I unfortunately haven't been able to go yet, but that's a, that's a place I want to see either the Rangers at or definitely yeah. a Knicks game. I was going to say, I'd like to... Or a I'd boxing like, or, or UFC fight too. Yeah, any basically anything that we'd like going to. I'd like to yeah. see it at Madison Square Garden. I'd love to go see the Avalanche play the Rangers up there, but that would be, I mean, super expensive ticket. <laughs> speaking, <laughs> say, yeah. speaking of the Avalanche, they have a little bit of a break again. Three players were positive for COVID. Including Philip Grubauer, um, so they're they well, knock on wood. Luckily, they got two more goalies. That's yeah. Because <laughs> we'd be sitting with Hunter Miska again if it wasn't for Joe Sackick. So shout out Joe Sackick for thinking ahead again. Yeah, and Grubauer, you could have just asked for two weeks off. You didn't have to. You didn't uh, have to. That's positive. Didn't have to get sick. Um, but they're they're done until as we're recording this tomorrow. The twentieth is the first time that they could have games again. Do you think that this is going to be? I mean, really. It could be looked at as a good thing because the Avalanche were one of those teams where they weren't going to have more than one day in between games until the end of the season, and now they got hot, and then they kind of lose it a little bit. They get this little bit of a break to kind of rest their legs. What are you are you thinking that they're going to come back out and basically re- regain form? This is a mini All Star break. Again, this, yeah. this, this is this is another mini All Star break. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is time for people to get their legs back. Um, I'm, I, if I were to fully guess that most of the players probably got a week or a few days off and got their legs underneath them. And that's that's what you need this late in the season. Yes, it's unfortunate with the COVID uh, positive tests and everything, but it's a blessing in disguise, I think. Yeah. Because it, this team is hitting their stride, but only missing three games. Was, right? It was only three games. Yeah, it's only three. So that's very, very doable, honestly. If you miss like 10 games like some teams did at the beginning of the season – then you're in trouble. Or Vancouver, how fuck they are mm-hmm. um, now with their schedule, but only missing three games, that's very doable. And that's, like I said, it's just a mini all-star break. The players now get a little bit of rest. I think it's perfect. Yeah, and you I think kinda, it's even more scary, honestly, for the rest of the league. You get your, give yourself a little bit of a mental break because we were saying it last week, and I say it, I've had that conversation the last two weeks on two for chirping with Griffin and then again with Will last week, was that you're playing these teams so often that you get mentally – like, I'm sure the Avalanche are just tired of seeing the Coyotes on the other side of the ice. For whatever reason, it seems like they've played the Coyotes for 56 games of this 56-game season, and I feel like they, they needed a little bit of rest. And really, they had enough of a point lead. They, they, Vegas has creeped back up on them. They're tied at 64 games. Vegas has played one more game, and the Avalanche still are tied with them in points-wise. 
they're going to come back, and I think they have a the Avalanche have a really decent schedule coming up to finish down the stretch. They only have a couple more games against Vegas. Those are going to be tough, obviously, but you let's see. I'm pulling it up now. When they come back after the twentieth. Uh, April. So the first game that they have coming back would be St. Louis. Those are two tough games. And then Vegas, those are both on the road. That's a, you don't really get a chance to regain your footing, but you go back into the more difficult settings. I think that's good coming up on the playoffs. And then they finish with two series against the Sharks and a series against the Kings. So it's set up pretty well for them coming out of this break. Oh yeah. Very well set up. I think that's, that's perfect for them. And I think, now, so Grubauer, this is this is his this is his break. This is his this is his time to relax a little bit. Now we get Dubnik and we get um, uh, Johansson mm-hmm. get them into form because we're gonna need both of them more than likely. Because I love Grubauer, he's our number one. But Grubauer has an off night. It's and we this team has the ability to come back from three goals. Yes, I said yes. I'm saying that. Yeah. I don't want it to happen. But if Grubauer is having an off night, this team has the score power and offensive power to come back from three goals. And if it's not Grubauer's night, you can pull him, throw Dubnik in there or Johansson, and still be confident. And that's where this team has to get with that. Yeah, uh, that's uh, I agree with all those points. Now I think we kind of got to start looking at who would you rather see in the first round of the playoffs. Right now, as it sits in the West, Vegas and Colorado are tied at first, and then it's Minnesota and, and Arizona as the three and four. Arizona only has a one-point lead over St. Louis. Minnesota is going to be in the playoffs no matter what. But of those three teams, Minnesota, Arizona, and St. Louis, who would you rather see the Avalanche play in the first round? I would rather them not play St. Louis because of St. Louis. Because St. Louis just always worries me. Mm-hmm. Even even if they're having an off season or if they're they still worry me a lot. Um, Minnesota is a team I think we can beat. I think Minnesota is just we've asserted our dominance in that season. Yeah, I, I think Minnesota is just a team that uh, that is hitting their is very young and they're going to be very good for a few more years, but they're just not there yet and they're they're playing really well. That's mm. it. And I don't think they're playoff ready. Like I think they're what the Avs were a few years ago. I think they're a young team that could surprise some teams. Maybe maybe makes give some teams a run for their money. When the Avs lost to the Sharks? Lost to, no, I'll go back to that. I go back to the, when we lost to the Predators okay. in the first round. When yeah. we were the eight when we were the eight seed and and Nashville was the one seed. Mm-hmm. We barely snuck in the playoffs and Nashville just came out firing at us and but we were we, we saw what the potential was. And I think Minnesota's right there too. When it comes to Arizona, I like I, I think I'm confident in beating Arizona Minnesota. I worry more about St. Louis. Uh for me I, I just I feel like if they get Arizona in that first round series, if it's the one and four especially, I I worry about the team then going into a oh, we're just gonna walk through Arizona and you're not mentally prepared like it's the playoffs because I do think that they could roll out of bed, and beat the Coyotes in five games if they're focused and mentally sharp, it's four. Yeah. But if they're not paying attention, it'd be the same thing that we saw last year where the. The Arizona goaltender is hot and doing cartwheels in the crease. It's going to be like a five-game series, but that's all it's going to do. I don't want them to lose focus. I would rather them play Minnesota of the Blues because I agree with you. The Blues have the Blues know the game plan to shut the abs down. We saw that in the first game of the season. The Avalanche are a lot better than they were back then, but that is still the game plan to shut them down. Make sure that they can't run in the middle of the ice and make them play dirty and, and find cheap goals. That's how – the Blues were able to stop them. That's how the Blues have been able to stop them in the games that they've beat them in this season. But I th- honestly, I think St. Louis will scrape into the four spot. 
I, I think there's a good shot they do. Um, I think Minnesota is basically a lock, you said, at three. Um, yeah. So I would I think that's that's where the scenario comes in. Having the one seed in your division helps because we'll have home ice, but at the same time, it'd be much nicer to play Minnesota. It would be. And the one, the one way that I could see, I mean, if Arizona and St. Louis gets hot and Minnesota kind of cools off down the stretch, Minnesota can fall to that four spot, but it would be more likely at this point that St. Louis just kind of bowls over Arizona to take the four. That's really the only movement I can see happening other than Vegas and Colorado going back and forth. Back and forth, yeah, one and two. On the one and two. If we come out and beat them in that series when we come back after we play the Blues, then I I say that the Avalanche probably clinch the one seed if they are able to win those two series. But that those are two teams that are tough to beat in a series. Yeah, yeah no doubt about it. That'll be the interesting part about that. Um Elsewhere in NHL news, before we move on and talk about the NFL draft, the Sabres are the first team mathematically eliminated from the NHL playoffs. Poor guys. Yeah, and it's, it sucks because they came off a win, and, and they won that game, and then they get told, yeah, you know what, you're no longer able to make the playoffs. But it, they only have 31 points. They, they have half as many points as the Washington Capitals do at the top of their division. So not surprising that they're not making the playoffs. Also, I, we didn't get to talk about it last week. Jack Eichel is done for the season with a neck injury. Uh, that that's that's an injury. Be like, you know what? I'm injured partially. I probably could play through this because I'm a hockey player. Yeah, but it's, it's just there's a no reason disc. to it. There's no reason to do it. The other hockey players are looking. I'm like, it's just a herniated disc, and he's looking at him like, but we play for Buffalo. Yeah, I don't want to play here. Yeah, I just don't want to play here. We may have seen. Hopefully, we may have seen Jack Eichel's last game as a Saber, or Jack Eichel's last game as a Saber under that ownership. Uh, if that ownership either way, just, I think either way, Jack Eichel will be happy with either of those two yeah. outcomes. All that ownership has to do is just, you know, they have their hand right here. All they have to do is just, just take, take their off, hand off. Take it off. Yep. Stop messing with everything. Just turn the bill, turn the Sabres into a Bills feeder franchise and make them the Bills 2.0. Make it the 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 um, Sabres Mafia. That sounds weird. But the the, the, the Sabre sound. Sabre Mafia. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I think that would be a good I mean for Buffalo, uh, that makes sense. Speaking of New York teams that are not performing well, unfortunately I have to report that my baseball season has gone to shit no matter which way I look. I said I wasn't going to be Welcome, a Rockies Jimmy. fan. Welcome, Wasn't going to be a Rockies fan this year, and then the Yankees come out, and they're the last team in the AL. Hey. I'm now a fan of the last team in the NL and the AL. Yeah, Jimmy, the Yankees only have one game better record than the Rockies. Yeah, they're 5-10, and 10, the Rockies are 4-12. and 12. <laughs> Hey, man, it feels good, don't it? Oh. It's the first time since 1968 the Yankees are the last team in the American League. For some, so what? What I thought was so interesting about it was I checked FanDuel and I was like, I wonder what the baseball odds for the division. You know, you still are the favorites, right? I, minus one twenty. That's really <laughs> the, you're incredible. minus one twenty. We're we have we uh, Boston has a weak lead on us right now. They're they are ten and five. We are five and ten. It makes no sense why I mean, we are it's, still. It's the, early. It's early. It is. Yeah. But, no. But you can't fall that far behind and still expect to win the, the division. And the way that they're looking now, they need to make a lot of big changes a lot sooner than I think people were expecting. As a Yankee fan, I say this every single year that I'm not. I'm not attached to the team because it could look totally different after the trade deadline and how much money they want to spend. They're gonna have, probably have to do that very soon to tr- just try and make a run to get back into this thing. Hey, if you ever get bored of DJ, just send him back. 
No, DJ moved to first now, and we've moved Odor into second base. Oh, that's just disrespectful of DJ. DJ well, was a hell of a defender. Well, Jay Bruce retired, so that's the whole thing. Jay Bruce retired. He was the first baseman. Oh, there's the first problem. DJ was what is a hell of a – he was a gold glove second baseman. That's why they moved him to first, because he's going to be able to be a gold glove first baseman too. And then oh, that's the Odor can't play anything other Odor than – Odor also looks so weird, no facial hair. It's not a good look for <laughs> it's him. It's not a good not look a at good all. Look for him. Odor can't play anything but second base. It just speaks to how good DJ is to where they go, I know you're a second baseman, but you're going to be able to play at a gold glove level first base, and Odor will just let him play second because he's not as good of you – DJ at first is better than Odor at second. Okay, that's fair. That's that's, that's how you can look at that. That's but fair, I guess. That makes sense. I don't know. It's I don't. Weird. I don't know baseball, why. Like, it's way too early. Baseball. There's been so many weird stuff. Baseball's happened. Yeah. Like it's been a wacky first month. Like I threw on Sunday night baseball, and there was four home runs in the at Wrigley Field yesterday on on Sunday night baseball. Yeah, and, and did then speaking of. The Rockies have had like three of the weirdest things happen already this season. And then Friday night, the Mets rolled into town and it was a snowstorm. And, and they were like, uh, how do you guys play in this? Yeah, like, do you have a Zamboni? Or? So I saw some stupid stat. And it was like, I think it was on that same day in like 12 years ago or something like that. There was another snowstorm where the Mets came into town and the game got canceled too. Like I think it was like 10, 12 years ago. That same exact day that there was a snowstorm and they had to play a doubleheader the next day. It's, it's crazy. And as we're talking about this, there's another snowstorm. Yeah, so. that's, it's not fun. Winter doesn't go down easy here. Winter oh, it comes back swinging. Yeah, win- this one you think you have summer like we were when, like we were when we were golfing two weeks ago. Right. Snow comes back and slaps us across the face. It's and it fights back dirty. It's not even fair. Uh, I don't know why I have to suffer through baseball season. I try to to give myself something to root for. At this point, you know the Rockies are on pace to go forty and one hundred twenty two at this. Hey, that hits this my moment. under. Yeah, that no, hits my I, under. I think that your your under is very under is gonna be all right. Yeah, okay. You're, they're four and twelve, and I don't see them doing much better. Oh, it's it's oh, it's getting worse. It's getting bad to worse. Like like I saw things, and I saw like Trevor Story is playing his lights out. The dude is still hitting doubles, triples, yeah. and he's getting left on base like no other. It's this a, poor guy, it's man. It's a sad existence. Like yeah. he, he is making some plays at shortstop where I'm like, oh, my God, is that Derek Jeter out there? And then the first baseman fucking doesn't pick it. And then there's the play. there goes the play to shit. And Trevor Story is literally just looking like, all right, well, this team's ass. Yeah. I feel so bad for the dude. We got to move on from so, him soon. So we talked about the Nolan situation last week. Do you blame him now? Knowing what the team was going to be, do you blame him now? No, I don't blame him, but I mean, it's still. It, it's, I, yeah, I, yeah, no, I get it. Still, I get it. It's I mean, not, like I said, there's a reason why they're the, the, the fourth organization in the state. They're not, they're not top two, and they're definitely not top three. They're barely top four because I could put the Rapids firmly above them almost. Yeah. I may put the Colorado Dam at the head of them. No, I think that you would get – you get a lot of people to go to Rockies games, but it's not to see the Rockies. Oh, it's play. it's to get your ass drunk and then sit up the rooftop and try to catch a home run ball. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what we're going to be doing at the All Star break. So, so I don't yeah. know. We're saying that like it's a bad thing. It's not. It's going to be what we're. Or you doing. don't go to watch good baseball. I'll tell you that. No, I, I you think go for All-Star, a date or you go to get your ass drunk at the All Star break. There's a good chance the Rockies already have sixty losses. Yeah, and there's teams. Be. There's teams that are only going to finish with sixty losses. The the Dodgers are thirteen and two. Or thirteen and three. 
Hey, you know who one of those losses are, though? The Colorado Rockies on opening day. Yeah. So, yeah, you know what? Like I said, stop the count. After after game one, we should have just ended the season. Not played another game. We're the World Series champions. Ended there. Yeah. No, we said that I, th- I thought we were going to be last from day one on. It took us one day, but now we're it took, last. It took us from, two days because yeah. we were five hundred, and then we yeah. But then the so we started the season with a with a over five hundred. You gotta remember that. Yeah, we were over five hundred at one point this season. For those forty eight hours, we were a we were enjoying ball life. Yes. We were playing winning <laughs> baseball. Oh boy, yeah. The, let's get out of the Rockies, Drake. Let's get out of the Rockies. Okay, we're not talking about the Rockies anymore. Let's talk about one of my favorite things: the NFL draft. And you actually get to ask the questions because we've we've talked about my mock draft we've responded to other mock drafts but we haven't given you our sleepers yet from the far end of the bench so i did some digging i was listening to uh the college football podcast and lewis riddick was on who funny enough was a player was a coach at one point and then was a gm before he became an espn analyst so he a GM candidate to this offseason yeah the person i wanted but didn't work out he he had other things to do he's he's making a lot of money doing monday night football so it's gonna it's gonna take a mike mayock deal to get him out from uh, tv but you'll you'll get to ask me some questions here and i'll uh i'll try and and give you my best answer and give the listeners my best answer as to that because there's a lot that goes into the draft, and you can never take anything you hear at face value. But I'm, I'm asking you to trust my opinion. So this is just what I think for these guys. So go ahead, and, and let's let's start this segment here. So, I mean, like, I mean, the, the Jamar Chase thing and Penny Sewell, that's obviously I'm, – I'm, I think you're good either way. I know you're set one way, but, like – We've had some arguments we've on had, the show. We've had a lot of arguments. And Jamar Chase thing, man, I think Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase connection would be fantastic. If you do take Jamar Chase, like what's what, what, what would you like to see the Bengals do in the rest of the draft necessarily? Because obviously the tackle still is one of the positions that you'll look at later in the draft. Yeah, and there's a couple guys that would be – the fact of the matter is, is that Jamar Chase is so young, age-wise as well. He's only like 20 years old. That's mm-hmm. the thing that people don't realize when they look back at that 2019 season. He was 19 doing that in the best conference in college football against the best players and was on the most efficient offense in college football history. That's a tough tough pill to swallow. And now hearing some of the, the opinions that I trust, like Daniel Jeremiah talking about Penny Sewell, He's good. He's pro- he is the best offensive lineman in this class. But you can make an argument that Rayshon Slater from Northwestern might be the best offensive lineman in this class. True. He he had some he a couple years ago he blocked Chase Young and locked him down for the entire game. And then in the Big Ten championship he was blocking very well against Ohio State. Northwestern was in that game up until the second half. Yep. So there's some questions about Sewell now. And really, it doesn't look like there's that many questions with Jamar Chase. It looks like he's going to be able to come into the league, and it looks like he's going to make an impact. So it might be worth drafting a guy like that who has a connection with your star quarterback that's going to be your quarterback that for broke the next. records, college football records. Yeah, longstanding <laughs> records, like 60 touchdowns in a season and 19-0. Uh, I think he might be the only undefeated season in LSU history. And he beat, I think, nine uh, nine ranked opponents through that season. So, yeah, there's great things with Jamar Chase. The only question is, I think if Joe Burrow doesn't get hurt this past season, it's not as much of a debate. 
But we saw what this offensive line was able to do to protect Joe Burrow. And it'd be really nice to have Jamar Chase get open. But if Jamar Chase is open and Joe Burrow's already underneath the 300-pound defensive lineman, what good does that do? I mean, so the way the way I see it is, look, there's – like people think tag, like offensive line positions are only first rounds are going to be stars. Like, look, Dalton Reisner, second round, he's he's going to be a pro bowler in a few years. Mm-hmm. He is one of the longstanding – he came from the second round. There's there's talent in the second and third round that you can start. Like Lloyd Cushenberry, going to be the starter center for the Broncos for a lot of years to come, third round pick. There's talent still in the second, third round that you can easily get um, a starter out of. That's where I'm like, it's like, look, offensive line is very, very important. It is one of the most important positions on the field when it comes to offensively. Like, look, having good weapons is nice, but you have to have a good offensive line. So that's why I'm like, look, Penny Sewell is great, but am I really willing to risk risk the the opportunity of having one of the the greatest connection, one of the greatest connections in college football history, do that again on the NFL field, and then possibly also getting another tackle that could be a sleeper in a second round. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm like, if because because look, Jamar Chase, if he if five or six years from now he he is he is a star on the Dolphins or something, and Penny Sewell is 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 it hasn't even broken All Pro team, then it's just gonna be a what ifs. But if Jamar Chase does the other way around, then you can sleep at night. But look, it's if you have the opportunity of having a tackle that you fall in love with in the second round or even late first that you could possibly trade back up into, maybe Ray Sean Slater probably won't, but maybe he drops a little bit mm-hmm. and you can trade yourself back into that position, then you're happy. But like reaching at Five for an offensive tackle. Yes, Quentin Nelson did that, but Quentin Nelson is is a different breed, and the Colts didn't have a person that they were like had their eyes on, like a position player that was like Jamar Chase's level. The only player that was in position to possibly be drafted by the Colts that year was Bradley Chubb. If the Broncos went quarterback at five, um, so that's that's where you're in a position at five. Like it's it's Sewell is going to be a good player, but Jamar Chase could make your offense legendary. Yeah, no, and I I know that you'd know the importance of offensive line, so that's why I'll entertain the conversation with you. And then looking, I'll, I'll just you know shout out another one of our podcasts here on the Unhinged Sports Network, Hilo Sports. They've been doing a lot of work with their draft board, and they do have a couple of guys that I've looked into. Jalen Mayfield they have ranked on their top 50 at number 33. He's O-tackle, offensive tackle from Michigan. If they do get Jamar Chase, I would rather them look – if they go Jamar Chase in the first round at five, which you probably should because I think he's overall best player in the draft, better than Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is the best player because he's a quarterback and there's a positional difference there. But really, Jamar Chase is probably talent-wise the best player in this draft. Uh, you should awesome. probably draft him at number five and because everybody else is going to be drafting a quarterback and who knows what Atlanta does. The, the only – argument behind that would be maybe Kyle Pitts is the is the best player in this draft but it's between Pitts and Chase the only reason why the first three picks are going to quarterbacks because it's a quarterback driven league yeah and then when you do that I think Jalen Mayfield's going to be there in the second round because I think the first the only two tackles that people are seeing in the first round are Penny Sewell and uh, Rayshon Slater Slater. Those are really the only two that guys are thinking because there is a lot of talent at other positions. Patrick Sertan is going to be drafted lower than he probably should be in a normal year. Uh, Micah Parsons is going to be drafted lower than he should. Micah Parsons is a top five pick in most years. 
he really that's a freak if you yeah. want to talk about a freak that that dude just 4340 at 250 pounds. I mean, pounds. everybody was running 4340. Uh, yeah. Fair. Well, everybody got really good, especially the guys that took a year off and then ran, like Jamar yeah. Chase and Penny Sewell. They've been training for that for 365 days yeah. plus. Um, but yeah, I, that's that's where I'm standing right now with the Bengals. If they go wide receiver at five with Jamar Chase, make sure that you address. You still have to address offensive line in the second round, and then hopefully ETN falls to the third round. Because I told you before we were talking about this, I want a perfect scenario. If I get to choose who I want, I'll go Jamar Chase at five, Jalen Mayfield as your first pick of the second round, and ETN as your first pick in the third round. That's 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 as perfect as you can get it. That we, is, we would turn scenario. around and not have to be fourth in the in the division, because right now we're fourth in the division. I still maybe put you fourth. The Steelers, if Joe Joe Burrow come out with injury, fourth. But you can surpass the Steelers. I feel like we'll see. We'll see. All right. Then lastly, maybe okay. Like you got to have some hidden gems because I mean, as yeah. a guy that maybe wants the Broncos to pick a quarterback, but maybe doesn't, and maybe the Broncos pick a quarterback in the late rounds. Like who's someone that I should be looking at necessarily? Well, I, all three of the guys that I found that I brought for the hidden gems could be guys that I see the Broncos interested in in rounds two on. Um, first one that I'm going to talk about is Davis Mills, who is the quarterback at Stanford. Um, he so took over. Guy. Yeah, smart really, guy. really, really smart, smart guy. guy. <laughs> we all know what the last quarterback from Stanford did with the Broncos. So that's, you know, there's yeah, that, there's get that connection, connection there. Yeah. But Davis Mills, he's a really, like, the prototypical size. He's 6'4 and 217. He's athletic. Um he really might have the best arm in the draft. He doesn't really have a ton of the hype. He was the number one quarterback in his draft class in 2017. Um, but the good things that I see for him is that he does come from Stanford, and I believe he might have graduated or he's really close to graduating. But when you go to Stanford, uh, it's not like going to Clemson and playing football. When you go to Stanford, you're taking real college classes. You're actually getting the education that pe people claim – uh, college athletes get and they're taking it seriously and David Shaw has a really good reputation of putting quarterbacks into the league and being successful so I think Davis Mills he's probably going to drop to at least the third round that's as high as I could see him going um, but if you're thinking about a guy later in in the draft the name that throw, that's thrown around a lot is Kyle Trask I would maybe have a little bit more faith in a guy like Davis Mills over Kyle Trask. Trask was a top ten pick at one point. I remember preseason he was he was like, man, is this guy a top three quarterback in this draft? Yeah, we and were, then the bowl game just fucking shot him. We were wondering what was who was going to take over as the SEC king after Burrow and Tua left, and Trask was just the only guy left over, and that was not the right was choice. Not the right choice. Not no. the right choice at all. No, who would have thought that McCorkle Jones of all people would take over as the quarterback of the SEC? Kind of crazy. Yeah, uh, but another. So that's a guy. If you do want, to, if you want the Broncos to pick up a quarterback late in the draft, I would say Davis Mills because because uh, I, I look. For me at nine, I would love Mike Parsons. Like yeah. that's that's the guy I want. But like I am seeing a lot more reports about a quarterback. I am and I and I'm falling in love with Trey Lance. I'll be honest with you. I, you, am, I mean Trey I Lance. Falling in love with Trey Lance. If so. he's there at nine, that's who the Broncos should probably pick. Like I am falling in love with Trey Lance. Trey Lance is man because I feel like if he falls past six, somebody's gonna trade up and try to get him because they, this dude is special. And I think. 
man, if, if he somehow can fall into the Broncos' lap, I think that would be beautiful. There was talk today on the local station here in Denver that the Broncos should possibly move up to seven with Detroit because, you know, Detroit might not want to draft. Detroit just got Jared Goff in that trade, so I don't think they're going to be drafting a quarterback at seven. But the one thing they need is a wide receiver more than anything or help, like, on the offensive end. Not they're they're back, still going to be able to get Jalen Waddle. Yeah, they can get and, Waddle not easily. Yeah, if they trade back to nine, Waddle's going to be there. There's probably another few receivers that are going to be there. But if Devontae Smith, another one that people are talking about. Yeah, especially because the Dolphins dropped out of the top ten. But otherwise, I think he was a surefire top ten pick. Um but, yeah, I think the Broncos, if they have Trey Lance available at nine, and Pat Shermer just went to his second pro day up in North Dakota State. So it does seem like they're a little bit that, interested in That'd it. be nice. I'm interested, too. I mean, if he falls at nine, I think we take him. But It I works out him. with the timeline that you need for Drew Locke, too, because Trey Lance is only 19. He's not. 19? He's, Holy fuck. He's uh, – He's a redshirt sophomore. Oh my god! Very, very young. Oh, mess me. If he's nineteen, I'm, I'm, I'm all bored already. Let him sit for a few years. Yeah, that's what I'm Drew. saying. Let's he's, see if Drew's got it. He's gonna give Drew competition, but I really don't see Trey Lance starting as the right away, opener. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure to put on a kid. I mean, that who the hell do we know? Maybe that's the guy San Francisco trade up three four. That's what I would have thought, but you know they love Mac Jones apparently. Yes, yeah. Talk about loving somebody for their personality. <laughs> Um, but the other hidden gems that I found, both UCF DBs, Richie Grant is a safety. I could see him as a late first round, um, very similar to an Antoine Winfield, where he's a little bit undersized, so he's not a safety that you could play down in the box. But he's a guy that you can maybe move into the slot and cover those quick slot receivers. Um, and he's always around the ball. He's a really, really good tackler. So that could shore up some defensive, like the Broncos go – quarterback or something other than db in the first round they have options in the second and third rounds to shore up their db room as well um and then aaron robinson is cornerback from ucf who's really long he's like six one and can run uh, so if you want to kind of compete with the speed that kansas city has we said you can either shut Dude, down the middle uh, of the field with a linebacker or get corners that can run and, and play with these guys because uh, the next factor corner changes a lot if you can shut down one side of the field it's very easy to take away these passing passing attacks that we've seen in the past few years. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, look, I think the Broncos are there. There's there's some good scenarios. I just I I trust Peyton or Patton to to do some good things. And if we trade up, great. If we take Parsons, I'll be super happy. If we end up with Sertan, I'll be like, you know what, that makes sense. If we end up with Fields, I'll be like, you know what, let's see how this works out. Like, I trust them to do the right thing. So, I, I, I'm confident because, like I said, the draft is a lot of fun. It, it's our football talk until – until it's our football Knicks until it gets to August and mm. training camp comes in, and it's it's going to be fun time. Yeah, especially this year without any XFL. It's going to be really sad after the draft because that's legitimately the last football that we have for yep. four months. Three, four months, yeah. Especially because everybody's opting out of the preseason workouts, so there's not even going to be Not any- everybody. Broncos. Drew Locke, Drew Locke oh. and Dalton Risner were there, so maybe that maybe Drew Locke is trying to gain some hearts back. That's, he, I mean, he should. He should be doing everything that he can to get back in the good graces because the fan base turned on him quick. It's true. It's yeah. rightfully so because hey, we want to. We we expect greatness over here. We there's a reason why in the sixteen or in the we were we had the third best winning percentage in the sixteen game era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we expect greatness over here. That's all. It's he had. A, 
there's a lot of hype going in. I forgot how much hype he had going into last season. Like he's going to be the quarterback that breaks out. This is the The offense that's going to come. This is the offense that's going to compete with the Chiefs. No, and hell no. Okay, well, this offense can still be damn good. It won't be the Chiefs, but it it can still be damn good because the the running back core is going still going to be great. We have the Pro Bowl receiver coming back. Mm -hmm. Drew Locke has weapons. No fans, like we said, tight ends coming into their third year. Yeah, good. Like it takes a few years to get their feet wet. Iowa tight end. It's I. I retweeted on my personal account a picture today. The Iowa posted a picture like tight ends doing work in the spring game. I was like, this nothing is like new. saying the sky's blue. At exactly, this point. nothing new. This is it's what we expect. Um, so yeah, that's the NFL talk, and let's uh, let's go ahead. And let's leave. Uh, we'll get to most dominant team of the week before we go to the break. Um, and I'll go first because I mentioned them earlier. The Dodgers are my most dominant team this week, 13-3 and three with a plus 38 run differential. They are just – Christ. And, and it, they're beating the crap out of the Padres too. Like we said that the Padres and the Dodgers both have the chance to win 100 games this season, and I think they probably both will. The Dodgers look like they might win a 120 this year. They, they might just absolutely – Hey, I, I told you all a few weeks back, my beats of the week, it was at minus like 120 that they are going to win the division. You should have bet – Thousands of thousands of dollars on that. They, yeah, I really don't see the Padres pushing. I th- I see the Padres as a wild card team, and they'll meet again in the divisional round. This is the Dodgers division to lose. This is the Dodgers. This is the Dodgers division. To yeah, lose. this there's, is just their division. There's a reason why there's shirts flying around for Padres, Rockies, and Diamondbacks fans that say back to 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 back and LOS participants. Yes, the Rockies have been a 27-time now NL West participant. Even though I don't, I don't think you can count what they're doing on the field right now as participation. They are just a t- hey, same same amount of participation as the Yankees are doing. Yeah. Hey, that's Thanks. a sell. So we're just a, the Yankees fans are having a rough couple of years because last year we had to deal with the fact that was the first decade that the Yankees didn't make a World Series appearance since 1912. Oh, poor And this is the first time since 1968 that we're the last team in the American League. We're the laughing stock of baseball. Both of my teams are. Yeah. But, yeah, the Dodgers are my most dominant team of the week. My, my most dominant team of the week, man? Look, the New York Yankees got sacrificed so the Knicks could thrive. That's what happened. The, 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 the Yankees said, you know what? Here's all of our powers until the NBA season is over so the Knicks can be good. They have won six in a row. The New York Knicks are the talk of New York basketball. Yes, I said that with KD and Kyrie next door. People are talking about the Knicks like they are something. And they are. They yeah, are. Julius Randle is the most improved player. I'll talk about that a little bit later on. But, man, this Knicks team is fun to watch. I did not think I'd ever say that ever say that and what they did to new orleans on sunday dude man they were down nine points with two minutes left they crawled back in got to overtime and then won by 11 20 point swing this next team is legit i'd like to see the monsters and figure out who who went to the bronx and took all the talent out of that locker room because you know what uh, I'll talk about it a little bit more out of the break, but there's a lot of money that's being wasted from from that talent drain. So, all right, it's the it's the Dodgers and the Knicks for their most dominant teams of the week. Let's go ahead and get into the break here from our partners, and when we come back, we'll uh, get into our segments before you hear a special uh, UFC presentation for this upcoming weekend. But that's all coming up here on the far end of the bench on the Unhinged Sports Network. 
Benchwarmers, we know you guys like to drink your craft beer, and that's a good thing because we're entering a partnership with one of the best, youngest breweries in the western slope of Colorado, High Alpine Brewing Company. We know that there's a lot of listeners out there in Gunnison. You guys know what we're talking about with High Alpine, but Scott, the owner, and us two, Nico and Jimmy, for the Far End of the Bench podcast have entered into a working partnership with them, and there's going to be a lot of good stuff coming out like merch, we're going to have some possible giveaway deals with them. If you mentioned listening to the Far End of the Bench podcast, so there's great things coming with us and, the, and High Alpine Brewing Company. Exactly. Who doesn't like drinking beer while watching sports at a bar? That's the greatest combination there can be. Um, you got to go check out our friends up there. A lot of great things out of us and one of the best breweries in Colorado, hands down. Um, they got a lot of good stuff. Jimmy and I will be promoting their stuff like no other. I guarantee you that. We'll be wearing their shirts. Um, be sure to go on their website. They got good merchandise over there. Check them out there. And then obviously go taste their great beer because they have a great selection. Great selection, always on tap. Nice cold craft beer. Also follow them on Instagram at High Alpine Brewing Company. Look them up on Facebook also at High Alpine Brewing Company. They're one of the biggest and youngest breweries in Colorado. Go give them a shout out and help out the far end of the bench. Help us grow our brand. Thanks, guys. What's up, bench warmers of the Unhinged Sports Network? We got another thing to, to get to because, you know, nobody likes dealing with cable companies in 2020. And here at the Unhinged Sports Network, we wanted to cater to you guys to go into the new age, cut your cable cords with Fubo TV. We have a new link, a new partnership. You can go to the link in our bio, and if you sign up for a subscription through that link, you will kick back a little bit of money to the Unhinged Sports Network so we can continue to bring great content all across this platform. And we got big things coming up in 2021, so you're going to have to, to get in on this, and we're helping you out in the process. Yeah, make, make your life easier, man. No one likes dealing with cable companies. You don't get half the channels. Um, sometimes there's blackouts. That's not present with Fubo. You can get whatever you want. I can watch Sunday Night Football with no sweat. I can watch... Or, TN, or I can watch basketball on TNT anytime I want. Um, get, be sure to use Fubo, man. I'm definitely going to use it. I hate paying for cable. So I'm going to be using that right right now as we speak, if we're being honest. And I want to make sure to get on that deal so now it's your turn to do the same. Help out the Unhinged Sports Network. Cut your cable cord. Come into the digital age. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to the far end of the bench with Jimmy Pilato and Nico Bryant. Be sure, I mean, the Bengals uniforms dropped today, so use the Fanatics link. I tweeted about it. If you want one of those new, I mean, they're, they're nice enough Nico's contemplating a Burrow one. Yeah, dude, the Burrow icy white ones, yeah. bro. Th- those are too fresh. Yeah. Like, that, that, that's, that might be a must-cop. Yeah. Well, you, if you're going to get it and I'm oh, going to, use the Fanatics yeah. link, please. Just just help us out. Help us out, help you out, and, and all that jazz. Uh, be sure also if you want a f- shirt, of one of the Unhinged Sports Network podcast or an Unhinged Sports Network merchandise, unhingedsn.com, and then click on the store link. You can also DM us if you want our blue far end of the bench shirts, and we still have stickers as well. $12 for the shirts, $3 for the sticker, 15 for both. Uh, all right, that's all the housekeeping that we had to get to. Bench warmer of the week. Woohoo! Woohoo! You want me to start because mine comes in firing. Yeah, and mine's just going to hurt me, so why don't you go ahead and start? Man, this man let down not only all of MMA, but let it, let down all of boxing. Ben Askren, bro. All of he, combat Actually, sports. you know what? I feel bad. I, he should not be bench warmer of the week. This dude got a bag. He got a bag and a half, and he came out smiling. 
it was this is he the, took a dive like he took a dive he got paid the dude got humiliated I would argue say that's more humiliating than the Masvidal one because yes. of who it was. Yes. But like, man, look, that was such a shit show. But also, and if you thought anything different, if you thought Ben Askren was going to take this seriously, you don't know Ben Askren. And you also don't know his skill set because he's that's as bad as he's been at boxing the entire time he was in MMA. His whole career, he never, he, like, if you watch the man MMA at all, he barely stood up ever. He doesn't even train it. Doesn't even train boxing. He haven't even he's been training boxing for a month. No. It's... Like come on, man. And then all the all the okay, yes, I'm probably going off the hinges here, well, but that's not my off the hinges. But man, give Jake Paul a real boxer. He everyone's saying he's a professional boxer now because he knocked out a fucking wrestler. No offense, Jimmy, but wrestlers, natural born wrestlers are going to lose real boxing fights nine times out of ten against a guy who trains it. That's true. And like, I, like it's it's just the fact of the matter it is. Because Jake Paul has fought a fucking YouTuber, uh, Deji. He fought an NBA <laughs> slam dunk champion. Also, another you could throw in another YouTuber in there, too. And then you've uh, a fucking wrestler. Yeah. And you're calling him a pro now? Well, he's got a professional license. That's why he's a pro God. boxer. Please, please, please. Give him, yes, this is so weird for me to say this. Please give him Tyron Woodley. God, please let Tyron Woodley resurrect his career and finish Jake Paul. Oh, man, I would. that would make me uh, so happy, man. Uh, we'll see. I mean, Because, look, Tyron Woodley is the lowest of lows right now in his MMA career. Let him go in and redeem himself. Please, let him redeem himself. I, I would kind of want him to fight an actual, like a one of the high-level pro boxers. That's what I want. Well, I mean, I mean thing, an amateur boxer, for fuck's sake, even that. Yeah, I think, I don't know. It's They need to give some, they need to give some him some really. competition. But the thing about it, what they're doing, I think the Paul brothers are not stupid. They're doing this, and they're only going to take the fights that they know they're going to win. So it's not going to happen. It's, it's just it's, it's so not weird, gonna, man. It, we're gonna it, have to continually hear Jake Paul run his mouth because he's never gonna fight an actual boxer, and that's gonna be the rest of our existence. It's, I I got some slack on this for Twitter posting this on our account, but I I said the face of boxing right now, and this isn't a slight to Fury or it isn't a slight to Garcia or or Wilder or Joshua, but the face of boxing right now is Jake Paul, because they fucking promote him. Yeah. And they don't do shit for anybody. Triple G and Canelo and all these great fighters, no one hears anything about them. All you hear about is, oh, there's a Triple G fight on? Well, let me know what the result is. No one buys the pay-per-views. I mean, no one bought the Jake Paul pay-per-view because everyone illegally streamed it with me. Uh, but, like, people still tuned in because it's a shit show. And that's where we're at in boxing. It's so unfortunate. MMA is taking it over, and the UFC is doing the right thing. Look, everyone thought everyone everyone who thought that UFC lost because Ben Askren didn't win the fight is lying to themselves. Because first of all, Dana White fucking hates Askren. He's not a fan of Ben Askren. He said that for years now. And it's not like the MMA community said, "Okay, Ben Askren, go defend our honor against this YouTube." Yeah, guy. Everyone fucking knew. It was like, you know what? Askren's probably making ass out of us. Yeah. yeah. And and he's just. I, look, I really don't think that if he took a dive or not, I think Jake Paul probably knocks him out at some point. Yeah, point. oh, 100%. I mean, look, I, I was watching the Gastelum Whitaker fight above me at the same time, and luckily this fuck show ended before that one because I, I they were on at the same time and I could actually pay attention to a good fight. Mm. Shout out Robbie Whitaker with a great fight on, on Saturday night. But, man, UFC, it made me appreciate what Dana White's doing so much. 
Like, like Dana White is a genius, man. As, as much as he can be a dick, he's a fucking genius. It's strange how boxing is basically copying MMA of the early 2000s and just doing all the freak show fights now. Oh, you mean fucking WWE? We're turning into a WWE show. It, like, we're, well, we are yeah. near that, Jimmy. It, we are seeing Frank Mir on the, a boxing card in fucking 2021. Yeah. How, how many steroids do you think Frank Mir is on? Oh, right? my God. Because he is still yoked. He he got on a lot of steroids to fight Lesnar, and I just think he never got off of him. Oh my god, man! We we it's twenty twenty one, man. By Get the way, he was on those he was screen. on those steroids when Carwin beat the crap out of him too. So got to throw that out there because Carwin fu- is was... another one of those athletes from Colorado that we failed to mention last week. Sure, fuck yeah. We, we, People are loving the center of attention, by the way. I know. I I I, I mean, look, I, I'm just speaking facts over here. Colorado sports is on the rise. That's what, that's right. That's right. We're Colorado till we die. All right. Now my bench warm of the, the week. That's the easiest bench warm of the week. Yeah, also, yeah. We, we went a little bit off there, but it was a good conversation. My bench warm of the week is the New York Yankees because they're 5-10 and 10 with a nine, minus 9 run differential. And I looked it up today. Their payroll is $202 million. Oh, man. <clears throat> oh, man. That's worth more than the Rockies organization currently. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're getting a minus 9 run differential out of it. I think that may be worse than ours. I don't know what ours is, but I think, uh, I think it's just I, I, it's either I had very it similar because we've lost some games where it was like four runs. We haven't lost for like more than ten runs. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling it up now. It's it, not neither of them are good. So yeah, the Yankees minus nine, the Rockies are minus ten. Dang it! Fuck! Come on, guys, gotta make up that difference. So oh, we... it's terrible. And the bad thing about both teams, they have really good pitching staffs. Their offense. Just I wouldn't suck. say Rockies have really good pitching staffs, but the it's Rockies not terrible. Pitch, the Rockies pitching has been really good this year. It's been better. It's been better. Yeah, it's been better. No, like yeah. it's it's objectively really good. It's, and, that's how it usually starts the year. And then people realize it's the Rockies, and we're playing at Coors Field. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> so you gotta remember that. That's why hey, I'm Kyle like, Freeland's gonna come back at some point, and then it's gonna get worse. <laughs> oh. Ouch. <laughs> hey, sorry. Ouch. I love Kyle Freeland, but all right, that's that's bench warmer of the week. I think we both had easy picks there. Uh, let's get into our partnership segments. What's brewing? Uh, presented by the High Alpine Brewing Company. Follow them at High Alpine Brew on Instagram and Twitter. Also like them on Facebook. Uh, mine, is, I'll go first with this one. It's smoke screens in the NFL, and it's mainly because the draft. But we're at full human poker mode because now people are trying to make up stories that Justin Fields doesn't really like football. I know you saw the conversation surrounding Trevor Lawrence's interview on Colin Cowherd's show last week where he's like, no, if I don't win a Super Bowl, it's not the end of the world because, you know, he's a functional human being and has other interests outside of football. Um, And then I don't there's going to be something to where we see like one of these organizations like frame a guy for a crime and then if you just say that you don't want to play for anybody but us, we'll go ahead and just drop the charges Laramie or something Tunsil's like that. Type of thing, right? <laughs> well, Laramie Tunsil's just an idiot and had a picture of himself smoking weed out of a gas mask, and that's that's kind of how that goes. Oh man, he I, got what he deserved, but everybody else is, I feel like, getting harassed unnecessarily. It's so unfortunate, man. They always do this to college kids. They do it with with the NBA draft too, man. They always try to find something wrong with these kids. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. And sports fans, we have a weird disconnect sometimes, especially around what just, just occurred March madness guys get death. Like college kids getting death threats over losing a game in a tournament where one out of 64 teams is going to win is a little bit ridiculous, really ridiculous. It's, and it's very, ridiculous. it's you're telling a 19 year old kid that you're going to murder him because he went one for two from the free throw line. His last attempt there. Really? 
It's really, Come it, on. Yeah. I know football in Alabama is religion, but we can take it a little take bit a little less serious. Yeah, take it take easy a page little. out of Trevor Lawrence's playbook. It's not the end of the world if you don't win a Super Bowl. Exactly. Just not many people win one. Your life does not – I mean, look – we're a sports show. We love talking sports, but our lives don't depend on fucking the Bengals winning the Super Bowl, the Broncos winning the Super Bowl. It'd be nice. It would be very, It'd be very really, nice. Just a playoff game. <laughs> It'd be very point. nice. But Give maybe, me one playoff game. But Jimmy and I are still going to sleep at night, and we'll still wake up the next morning and be just fine. So. I'm still going to watch sports no matter how. I, I said it at the end of my Bengals rant on one of the shows. I'm going to talk myself into – the fact, oh, uh, I'll I'll save that because it's going to come up here in, in a second. And hey, my um, what's ruling? Look, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know soccer, but I I've I've been trying to follow this situation, and boy, am I this is fucking wild. Yeah. The European Soccer Super League. What in the hell is going on? So apparently, Stan Kroenke's ruining soccer. Hey, the Americans are ruining soccer. So the top twelve, or not even the top twelve teams, not like some of these teams are not good this year. But the it's top the teams with the most money, the teams with the highest pay rule, basically in all of Europe, are all creating a Super League, and they're all playing in one another, which basically means fuck the English Premier League, which is the best soccer league in the world. It's basically the NBA, but it's soccer, and um, it's it's they they are basically saying getting all those best teams. You're taking the best players from. Italy, Spain, um, it's, not from Germany because the German team said "fuck you." Thank God, thinking that the Germans, yeah, the Germans aren't gonna <laughs> thinking that they'll cross culturally mingle. Come on now, yeah, Deutschland, Deutschland, and then France was the other one that said no. Uh, but look, we are in a state where they're creating a Super League, and UEFA is so pissed about it that all those players are not going to be able to play in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And you know what that means? That means we get no fucking Messi. We get no Ronaldo. We don't get actually Neymar plays for PSG, so we'll get Neymar. But we'll get the best teams are going to be Germany and France because everyone's going to fucking leave to their home country and be like, you know what? I'm done playing this because those players, man, I'd be pissed. I would because look, I, I I watch soccer every now and then, but whenever Germany plays Italy, it's on my TV because my mom's German, my dad's Italian. I was gonna say you got a little bit of an inner struggle going on. Exactly. Whenever they play each other, it's always on TV because that's just the way it is. Because there's no other sport where Germany and Italy play each other competitively. <laughs> that's just the fact of the matter it is. So mm-hmm. whenever Germany plays soccer against Italy, it's on my TV. And when we have this scenario where teams think they're better than the rest of their leagues and that they're better than the UEFA and FIFA and all that, then it's just getting bad. The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. And we're not helping organizations do it at all. It's the best analogy I heard from it. It's, it'd be like the Knicks, Bulls, Lakers, Clippers, Miami Heat, um, and Brooklyn Nets, all the top organizations left and said, fuck the NBA, let's create our own league and let all the lower tier organizations play each other and let's just make our own league and say all the best teams, the higher markets play against one another. And that hurt the NBA so much. Mm. That's that. It's just not, man, it's not it. I, I, I can't believe I'm getting this passionate over soccer because, look, if, if I don't get to watch the World Cup in a few years and the U.S. doesn't have fucking Pulisic, Weston McKinney, and some of these other stars because they're playing this fucking Super League and we don't make the World Cup, I'm going to be fucking pissed. Because all I need is this fucking U.S. in the World Cup. That's all I want. And then Germany to win, obviously too. But I mean, I, that's that's pushing Daisy, pushing Daisies. Like, come on, like, like, it's it's just 
abuse of power. These these owners are doing it for themselves. They're not even doing it for the fans because the fans are pissed about oh, it. Kroenke doesn't doesn't care about the fans. Doesn't care about fans at all. That's... I mean, the, the the players are. We are either going to see rebellion from the players' union because the players are going to be like, "Fuck that! I want to play for my country." When it when time comes, mm-hmm. or we are going to see some of the worst soccer like downfall of soccer in general and. Although soccer isn't as big as it in the states as it in the rest of the world, it's the soccer country is in the world. soccer is the biggest sport in the world. Yeah, biggest sport in the world, and that's the you're taking away the one good thing about soccer as how accessible it is because all you need is a ball or something round that you can kick around, and you're taking that away from the sport. There's I seeing the outcry of the fans. I understand that at least because. I don't want something changed that doesn't need to be changed for something that's not going to benefit the sport that I love. That's not something that I want. If the NFL was going to do something like this, I would fight it tooth and nail. If uh, and I would, I'm I'm saying it now. I think we both say it now. We're, we're backing with the the fans of the soccer that oh, don't yeah. want this to happen. All right, I'm sure insert name FC. Be oh, sure to yeah. listen to them on Friday because they they're gonna. About that. They've had a few. I've I've started listening to some of their episodes. I don't get what they're talking about, but they're passionate about it. So be sure to tune in for them on Friday on the Unhinged Sports Network. But this is, I mean, it's it's a bad situation. It's very bad. Like I said, man, I hope they're able to figure something out. But three of the four teams in the Champions League semifinals are proposed to be in the Super League, and they're apparently on Friday. By Friday, they're supposed they're going to kick them out. And give the trophy to PSG, who 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 got who wasn't invited to the to the Super League or whatever. Wow! Like like soccer is in shambles. It's unfortunate. Like look, everyone knows the the FIFA corruption scandals and all the stupid shit that they've been through and all that dumb stuff. But this is just added insult and injury. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, let's move on to off the hinges now, presented by the Unhinged Sports Network. Follow them on Twitter at Network Unhinged. Uh, and I'll let you go first for for off the hinges. I mean, we went a little bit off the hinges on that one, but I'll go again with another off the hinges. Can we stop disgracing boxing? Like for fuck's sake, make it legit. Like, like we're, we are we are making it a joke. We are we are making people like not enjoy what boxing is. We are fucking look. Snoop Dogg is entertaining. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to Snoop Dogg commentate just for the hell of it because I think it's entertaining. But like, come on, man. Oscar De La Hoya doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Um, and Oscar De La Hoya was definitely high. On oh, he was high off a lot of things other than weed. Um, but man, look, boxing is that was the biggest shit show. Again, we are putting shit show on shit show on shit show. Excuse my language for saying shit four times in a row. But man, boxing is terrible, man. Because now people are so accustomed to man. Fuck it, let's anybody can go box. Let's. I want to see fucking. Well, these this dude broke up with this dude or this girl, and this girl went off with that dude. Well, let's see them box, and that's just so disgraceful to the sport. Fucking just throw them, let them street fight. Don't disgrace the sport of boxing with this, because boxing is one of the most tradition sports in the world, and some of the greatest fighters not only fighters but athletes of all time have came from boxing and now we're fucking having clowns like jake paul face be the face of boxing we had muhammad ali we had mike tyson we had vander holyfield now we have fucking jake paul come on not good not great uh i'll get my off the hinges 
uh, the Bengals are making me lose my mind on the draft situation. I'm flip-flopping hardcore. <laughs> One day I wake up, I want Penny Sewell. Another day I wake up, I want Jamar Chase. I, it's, I wish that they would just let me know what they were going to do. Like It would calm my anxiety a lot. I have not gotten what I wanted, though, from them drafting ever since I did my first mock draft on the radio. I wanted Frank Ragnow that year. He got drafted one pick before them. One pick. And we got stuck with Billy Price, yeah. who's probably not going to be on the team anymore. Ultimately, I'm going to talk myself into the Bengals being, this is going to work. This is all going to work, and they're going to win a playoff game this year. I'm going to get ready to get myself hurt again, and I'm going to get set up for another heartbreak. But the Bengals are driving me crazy right now. They're driving me off the hinges, so they had to be my off the hinges. That's, that's not a bad one. I don't hate that one at all. That's off the hinges presented by the Unhinged Sports Network. Uh, Nico, what's on your screen? I mean, it's Usman Masvidal this weekend, mm-hmm. right? Usman Masvidal, too. That's pretty easy. Um, it's I'm very, very excited for it. I think we get a full, basically a full pack place or we have 15,000 so it should be fun yeah. like it's we we're obviously it was fun seeing hearing the sounds of all the fights um fighters hit the floor and everything but hearing the roar of the roar of the crowd especially because Usman or, or Usman and are gonna put on a show they'll put they'll with fans returning they'll put on a show and our Wele Zhang is on the card with Rose that fight is going to be fireworks bro yeah man Zhang's last fight was the Yoani and Jacek oh Absolute top classic. Top five so, all time. Greatest I'm, fights. I'm looking USC forward to big things from her this weekend. Uh, we'll, you'll hear more about that too coming up. We're going to have a special UFC 261 preview with Rev that we're recording after we're recording this part of the podcast. Uh, my What's on My Screen presented by Fubo TV. Avengers Age of Ultron, hopefully. I said I was working my way through the MCU timeline. Uh, and if you're. The day that you're listening to this Wednesday, if you're listening live on the Unhinged Sports Network, unhingedsn.airtime.pro, uh, hopefully I'll be watching Avengers Age of Ultron because I'm at Guardians of the Galaxy 1, and then i got to go through Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and then I'm at Ultra- Age of Ultron. But so far, I've enjoyed most of them. First Avengers is probably my least favorite. I think that's the worst one of the MCU uh, I mean, so far. I don't far. know about that, but I would, well, maybe, I would maybe Have say- I gotten to one that... You would think is worse. I think I would say that the dark, Thor the Dark World wasn't that great either. I didn't mind that one. I would have said Hulk just because of the character switch and what uh, he was like, how yeah. different he is from the rest of the timeline. That was the thing. That's the only one that's to me. No, I'm only going strictly based off the Disney Plus timeline, so the Hulk wasn't actually in there. Okay, but I I agree that the Hulk was not a great movie. But I think that the, they did, really didn't do what they could have with the first Avenger. It could oh, have been yeah. a lot better. That's fair. That's Especially fair. with how good the Winter Soldier was. Because yeah. I just finished that one today. That was basically a James Bond movie with a superhero. True. Very true. All right. That's uh, what's on our screen presented by Fubo TV. Be sure to l- use all the links to our partners in our bio at Pod, all of our social medias. Uh, let's go now get into our segments so we can get to Rev and the UFC 261 preview. Beats of the Week. Uh, my first beat of the week, I'm going with some NFL draft beats. Rayshon Slater to be the first offensive lineman drafted is plus 270. Oh, so now you're so now you're full of words. Um, I'm, no, no, this no. This no. week, no, right? No. Take it down, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not fully switching. I do think that Penny Sewell should be the first offensive lineman drafted. But the things that I've been hearing, and there is a lot of good talk about Rayshon Slater, especially the Chase Young film and then him playing in the Big Ten really well this past year. Again, for Northwestern, there's some rumblings that make it plus 270 a little bit too hard to pass up. That's fair. That's fair. My, my first one, I'm picking Rose to beat Zhang. 
Um, plus 154, Rose, th- Thug Nami Yunus. Um, Rose Nami Yunus, she's an absolute animal. Thug Rose! Yeah, Thug, Thug Rose. Thug Rose. I'm, I'm picking her. She, it's Like I said, I think that's going to be fire tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun. You will you can definitely hear about that more here in a little bit. Yeah, um, and that's one of the best UFC calls recently where Nami Yunus gets the knockout and all DC does is Thug Rose! Yep. Thug Rose! Um, another NFL draft beat for me. Travis Etienne to be the first running back drafted, plus 150. Najee Harris is the favorite, and Etienne is the next best odds. Um, People forget about what Etienne did at Clemson. He's one of the all-time leading rushers in ACC history, and he is the all-time, I think, yardage leader for Clemson football in in the four years that he was there. So didn't have a great season, but I think that he could be, if he's used right in the NFL, he could be pretty dangerous, like a Reggie Bush type. Yeah, Etienne at one point, like preseason, he was a – Projected like lottery pick, a top yeah, fifteen pick, and, and a Heisman finalist projected at the beginning of the season as well. Didn't have a great season, like I said, but he does have that Reggie Bush uh, type, type skill set. Yeah. So it could be interesting for some team. I'm hoping the Bengals somehow luck <laughs> out and him, get him. Yeah. But that's uh, plus one fifty for him to be the first running back drafted. For me, my next one, man, I'm going baseball over here. White Sox to win the AL Central. They have the second best odds. White Sox have been. Oh, tear, man. Look, Tim Anderson, stud. Um, they, they, Rodon they, just threw a no-hitter. Yep, the, the guy who threw a no-hitter. Keiko has been, has been pitching very well. They're, they're a pretty fun baseball team to watch. They're the better Chicago team, that's for sure. Yeah. They're plus 120 right now to win the division. The, the Twins have the best odds right now, plus 105 to win the division. So it's very close. But the White Sox, I think, could be a team that could be World Series bound, honestly. Yeah, uh, and they just uh, they have the second most no hitters in as a team, and they're three behind the Dodgers. But that guy Rodon, who just threw the last one, that was the twentieth no hitter in franchise history for the White Sox. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, be sure to check out the high heater on Thursdays. That's where I picked up that stat. Kelsey does a good job of of finding some of the more obscure stats. Baseball has a lot of those. Um, But now. My last beat of the week, Chris Weidman to win by points over uh, – I can't remember who he's fighting this week. But for him to win the fight by points is plus 210. He's the favorite money line-wise. Um, but if you add in that stipulation where he wins a decision, it's it's a pretty good return. And I don't think – he's not as good as he was when he was the champion, obviously. But he's still good enough that you, you can kind of rely on him to have a good showing. Uh, he's fighting Uriah Hall. So Uriah oh, yeah. Hall... It's, Uriah Hall's been around around the league for a few years now, or around the... Yeah, I, he, Uriah Hall has that years. crazy knockout from the Ultimate Fighter series, the spinning back kick. Um, that's where he's known for, and, and he's explosive, but I think Weidman's going to be too smart to get caught in something explosive, and it's going to go the distance. Weidman's going to wrestle him. Uh, plus I mean, Weidman, it's not the same Weidman from a few years ago. Let's, let's put it that way, first of all. But it's I mean, he's still not, not a bad fighter. It's also not the Uriah Hall that threw That's that spinning true. back kick. That's very true. Uh, my my last beat of the week, I mean, I talked about him a little bit earlier, but Julius Randle, most improved player, bet your house, bet all your money you have on this because it is a guarantee. Minus 420, most improved player, Julius Randle. Because Julius Randle has been playing outstanding. I'll t- I'm going to keep talking about him more here in a minute just because of what he's been doing. But Julius Randle, man, the Knicks are fun to watch, and Julius Randle is, is right now a top three power forward in the NBA. And what he's been able to do, not only on both ends of the floor defensively, but on the offensive side too, has been incredible. 
Yeah, I, I think that he's he's one of the big reasons as you can look to New York Knicks basketball regaining some of its former glory, especially this season. Uh, that's beats of the week. Be sure to get in your get in your bets and and see if we're gonna win some money because I know Nico puts in. Do you not? Do you put in all the bets that you throw out there, or no, just some? No, of them? I just put some of them. Be yeah. sure to to try and. I win. usually hold off on the long, the longer term ones. I yeah. I always put in the ones that are usually the week of. So most of the UFC bets you hear me talk about, I put in. Be sure to bet along with him this weekend. Now let's get into play and player of the week before we kind of wrap things up and get into our segment with Rev. Uh, play of the week. We'll start with that, and I'll let you go first because I I think I have one. I, I don't know what you picked, but I think mine is gonna gonna be pretty good here mine mine's pretty good here too so everyone knows the walk-off home run what about walk-off diving catch mookie bets on saturday night uh padres had runners on second and third two outs um i forgot who came up to bat but they hit a ball to the gap mookie bets made a diving save mm-hmm. and the dodgers won the game and that's they 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 swept the they swept the series i think based yeah, off of that and that's it's Walk-offs are always fun. The other play I wanted to put here that, that I know which one you have, so I'm not saying that one, but another one I want to put here was the Joey Votto triple play. Yeah, that I mean, that, that was also just a weird weird scenario what happened. Sometimes Joey Votto's the smartest baseball player of all time for that one because he let the guy – he knew that the guy didn't tag up. He let him run home, and then he's like, hey, did he touch third? No. Okay, cool. Because yeah. he caught the line drive, dove to first to get those first two outs. And then the runner at third got caught like, oh, crap, and then ran home before tagging up. Easy, Easiest triple play that he'll ever play, turn. Yeah. Um, wow, I didn't expect a baseball play. How about that? Yeah, two. I think I gave you two baseball plays. My play of the week is Luca's buzzer beater because it wasn't even a shot. It's one of the shots that Diving when you're playing this. by yourself and you're like, oh, five, four, three, last shot, two. And then it clanks off. Oh, it's two seconds back on the clock. No, just throws it up one hand, just lobs it up there from. And he, he jumped from the three point line basically to the free throw line, not that far, but he pretty far for for a guy for of his stature. White guy, yeah, yeah for a white guy. Yeah, you, I didn't want to say it, but you said it. I, um, for his stature, and he's he, a he's a Serbian, Slovenian, uh, Slovakian, Slovenian, Slovenian. Because Jokic is Serbian. Yeah, yeah Jokic is Serbian. It's a Slo- Slovenian guy. Everybody knows he's white. That's true. Yeah, but Luca, that was a fantastic game. The only one, the only reason why I was, I, I totally forgot about that one is because it was earlier last week. Yeah. And the baseball players were just top of my mind. Yeah. This past weekend. So. No, I, and and I said put in here too that he's 22 and winning NBA games like this. Yeah. So yeah. look out, world. Uh, let's go now to player of the week. My player of the week, Shane Bieber. Uh, not that Bieber, Shane Bieber of the, I believe oh, the we Indians. We saw the other Bieber this weekend too. Yeah, he's he's good, but he's, he's loving the fact that Jake Paul's the fake face of boxing. Uh, but Shane Bieber has four straight starts with 10-plus strikeouts. He is the first person to do that since 1893 when they moved the pitching mound back to 60 feet 6 inches. What? He is the first person to have four plus 10 strikeout start four straight 10 plus strikeout starts. That's crazy. Good for him. And, uh, that's the guy for the, uh, um, Indians, Indians, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Shane Bieber for the Indians. And his current streak has only ever been matched by Nolan Ryan because he has 48 strikeouts in four games right now. Damn. That's awesome. Good for him. I mean, that trumps my player of the week, but I'll still say mine, my player of the week. I talked about him earlier, Julius Randall. He, this week he's been, he's averaging 36.7 assists, seven and a half rebounds and two steals a game. This this week alone, from a power forward, this dude was averaging twelve points a game last week. 
That's why that stat line is just so outlandish because what he was doing last year. It's crazy what Tom Thibodeau has done coming into this Knicks organization. He's revived that 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 program and made them finally noteworthy. And Julius Randle is seeking the benefits from it. That's for sure. See or seeping the benefits from it. There you go. That's player of the week. Uh, real quick before we get into the segment with Rev talking about UFC 261, we'll go ahead and plug. Our uh, social media at FEOTB Pod, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok is where you, we post some clips and everything like that. Uh, Twitter is the best way to kind of interact with us. If you want to debate some of the takes that we've been having, be sure to do it there. And be sure to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to. Catch us live on the Unhinged Sports Network Wednesdays, unhingedsn.airtime.pro. Um, and now let's get into some UFC 261 preview with Rev the Problem Coca, the, U- the mixed martial arts medicine man. All right, and we are here. We're back. We're talking UFC 261, and we have a special guest. We're also on Zoom now. Nico and I recorded the first part of our episode Monday night, and now we're back with Rev, our good friend, blogger for the Unhinged Sports Network. And uh, I call him the MMA Medicine Man. I'm going to give a little love back to it. He can't have the Nigerian Nightmare nickname because that's Christian Okoye. Sorry, Nico. Kansas City Chiefs reference, I know. Um, but I can call him the MMA Medicine Man. So, Rev, thanks for coming back. And talking about this card because it's one of your fellow, you know, your your proud Nigerian uh, heritage, your first generation, and Usman is headlining the the card with three title fights. So we're going to talk title fights. But Rev, thanks for coming back and joining us for this. Thanks for having me. Been there in person, but now I'm here virtually. Either way, I'll give the dosage, as you said, medicine man. Uh, I'm not, I don't know how much I love the nickname, but maybe it'll settle on to me as time goes by, but I'll give a little dosage. If you know Rev, you know his real nickname, and it's the problem. He's the problem. Rev the problem, <laughs> Coca. Um, but let's let's go ahead, and uh, we'll do all of our picks like normal. We're just, like I said, just the title fights, and we'll talk about the odds on the fight as well. And then we're starting with women's flyweight, and it is the bullet Valentina, Valentina Shevchenko. And she's taking on the uh, Brazilian pit bull, moving up in weight from straw weight in Jessica Andrade. I'm just going to call her the pit bull because that's what she looks like on the UFC website. Um, Shevchenko, the champion, obviously favored minus 420, a 23-0 record. And Andrade is a plus 330 underdog. So, uh, Rev, I'll, I'll go to you first since you are the guest. What are you seeing, what are you seeing in this fight um, as to wh- which way you think it's going to go? Um. Something that I think will make this matchup more challenging for Shevchenko compared to the other matchup she's had defending her belt at flyweight is just the lack of a f- strong physical advantage she has over Andrade. Whereas you look at the other matchups for the most part, she can kind of just sit out at range, fight at a calm, relaxing pace. Then the moment the opponent gets close, she just grabs a body lock and just kind of just ragdolls her opponents, just enjoys that physical advantage. But Someone like Andrade, where that strength translated at 135, for the most part, it translated well at 115. And we saw Andrade's debut against Chikagian with a TKO with a body punch that that power is going to translate there too. So something that's going to make this interesting is just the fact that Andrade could go power for power with Shevchenko and that she's a physical freak in her own. So it's going to be a lot more even of a matchup than what Valentina's used to. Yeah, and I think one one thing to point out here is that the physical size difference is there. Shevchenko's 5'5", Andrade's 5'1". 
Um, and I'm going to see, look here at the reach. Andrade has a four and a half inch reach disadvantage. Uh, but Nico, what are you thinking for this flyweight fight? And do you like the line here, plus 330, with Andrade kind of carrying that big puncher's power? I mean, look, Andrade, she, she's, been, she's been around the UFC for a while. I feel like she's a fighter that's, that's always testy and that is never going to go down, go, don't, go down without a fight. But Shevchenko, man, she is one of the better fighters we've ever seen. I mean, look, she, her, her domination, it's, it's, it goes without saying. She's won, um, I believe, I, I count how many it is. Her last loss was against Mana Nunes. Her last two, excuse me. She hasn't lost since... 2010 against Liz Carmucci, um, and outside of someone other than Man Nunes, that's domination. Those wins include against Joanna Jojacek, the wins against Jennifer Maya, the Holly Holmes. Um, she she has gone Julia Pena. I mean, look, she has gone through whoever she has wanted to outside of the greatest women's UFC fighter, maybe even close. You can argue about her, Amanda Nunes being one of the greatest MMA fighter of all time. And it's, it's very, very tough to bet against Shevchenko just because of her domination. But Andrade, I, I, her Brazilian background, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu background, I, I feel like she may have the strength to possibly power her way onto the ground. But when it comes to Valentina Shevchenko, her kickboxing is just world-class. She is, she is going to come out striking. She's going to come out swinging. And she's not going to give Andrade her, – her veteran prowess is going to make sure that Andrade doesn't get into her game plan. Um, and that's, that's, that's what Andrade has to do because, look, Getting your winning title fights as an underdog, especially this big, when it's when it's minus two twenty, you said Jimmy, um, or four twenty, four twenty. Oh my God, minus four twenty for the last year. I mean, those are those are high. Too wide. Yeah. yeah, it's a little too wide. It's a little disrespectful, Andrade, but I think that's just more credit to Valentino. Um, but I, I'm I, I'm leaning towards Shevchenko just because of the domination, but I think this is going to be a fight that is not going to be one of the quicker ones because I mean. Most of most of Shevchenko's wins, um, three out of the last five have been unanimous decisions. Two of those were KOs against I and Chukajin. So I think this may be another unanimous decision um, where she tries to weigh her down a lot more. Yeah, one thing I will point like the the main thing that I wanted to bring up with the reach is Valentina Shevchenko's kickboxing background. She has over a hundred plus pro kickboxing fights and she's trained it all over the world she's really i mean if it wasn't for amanda nunes she would probably be a good pick to be the next face of women's mma she speaks a bunch of different languages um and she looks you know she's she's somebody that you would be able to put up on a billboard and and say this is what the product is she translates well to an audience that kickboxing reach and and length and understanding of timing Andrade is a striker, but she's much more of a brawler, boxer type striker than really a, a disciplined kickboxing fighter. So uh, I lean a little bit more towards Shevchenko. I think that Andrade has a good chance of landing something big at some point in, in a five round fight. Well, one other thing that I, I think is fair to say, the two most exciting title fights on this card of the three are probably going to be the women's fights. Um, so Shevchenko, Andrade is going to be a barn burner in the fight we're going to talk about next. But Nico went Shevchenko. I think I'm going Shevchenko. Rev, who who are you picking in the in the fight? I'm also going with Shevchenko here. Ultimately, I just think that she's a little bit more technical, whereas Andrade is powerful, but sometimes you know, she'll chase after opponents and kind of aggressively look to close the distance and look for shots in the pocket or 
to get to clinch and slam her opponents. But when that happens, she's usually getting clipped off the back foot. And that's something Shevchenko does really well. She'll keep her distance. She'll pick you apart on the way in. And for the people who are looking at prop bets, perhaps the Shevchenko knockout might be something you should be looking for because with Andrade's aggression, she might just walk into a head kick. So that's always there. But I'm going with Shevchenko. Yeah, for that prop bet as well, since three of her last five victories for Shevchenko have been decisions, those prop bets for the finishes are going to be bigger rewards, probably bigger odds. I'm not looking at FanDuel right now to actually say that for certain, but it would be something interesting to look at. So clean sweep for the bullet, Polish power. Here we go. Um, and now we're moving on to the women's strawweight fight. And this one, uh, Nico and I said it in the part of the episode that you guys have heard already. This is probably going to be fight of the night. It, the last time Weili Zhang was in the octagon, which seems like forever ago, is actually before the pandemic started in America. It was already going on in China. Um, she had a pretty wild training camp to get to that fight. But her fight against Ioana Janjacek, everybody remembers the, the hematoma that was on top of Ioana's head. Looked like an alien had, you know, embedded herself into into her brain. But it's the first time we get to see the, the whirling dervish Weili back defending her title against Thug Rose Namajunas. That's all you really have to say. So big names coming into this fight, especially for this strawweight division that people were uncertain where it was going to go after Joanna dropped the title. Um, so Nico, I'll, I'll go to you first. What are you seeing in this fight between Weili Zhang and Rose Namajunas? I mean, look, that's that's one of my favorite fights I've ever seen out of MMA. I mean, what, Z- what Zhang and uh, Joanna was able to do is just incredible. And I think we have part two right here. I think between Zhang, Rose, and, and Joanna, I think all three are very, very similar in their in their levels, like in how good they are. There's not necessarily one that – I mean, Joanna was that for a long time, but now I think all three can kind of just go back and forth with one another. Um, when it comes to the styles of this fight, um, Zhang Weili is going to stand up and box the hell out of it. She's going she's gonna to come out swinging just like this she did against Joanna and try to set the tone there. When it comes to Rose, she may try to do a little more jujitsu, may, may try to come up a little bit, uh, may, may try to wrestle a little bit more, but I expect her to stand in there too. I expect her to come out swinging as well. Uh, bo- both, both women are, are fighters that – are, are have been in moments where they've been knocked down or they've been either maybe losing a round, maybe losing early round, but they still can fight their way back. This is not a fight that maybe, I mean, may, uh, now that I'm saying this is probably going to be wrong, but I mean, it, this is not a fight. I don't see first round, second round. I see maybe a girl or one of these women um, getting a KO or TKO in the fourth or fifth, or I see unanimous or, or not unanimous or you have, a, you see it go to the cards. Because one of these, there neither one of these are, women are going to be able to be, get put away like that. It's not like they're going to stand in there and be like, "I'm going to give up." Both women either either one's going to tap out to a, some submission, probably probably be Rose if that happens, or it's going to it's going to go the distance or near the distance. Because both these women, like I said. They take. They have some of the best chins in the women's in the women's division, and they're going to come out and make sure that um, they they put on a show. Yeah, Whaley Zhang is just a physical specimen too, and and she is a striker by discipline, but she's pr- pretty much perfected sprawl and brawl. She is nearly impossible to take down. So the 
that's going to pose problems because Nami Yunus, she's good with jujitsu, but it's much more of a ju- defensive jujitsu. It's not a take you down and then put the strangleholds on you. Um, so that's where I see that coming in. She's married to Pat Berry, who's a former UFC heavyweight, big longtime kickboxer. So she knows how to throw her hands and feet as well. It's not like she doesn't know how to stand up and fight. But Rev, what are the big things that stand out to you in this matchup? Like Nico said earlier, there's no way this, this fight isn't going to be exciting when you consider this is the best women's division in the UFC at 115. And this is a perfect example of that. You have a matchup between two wordy championship level fighters where every area of their game, they have something. With Rose on the ground, she has a tricky submission game. And on the feet, she's gone better for footwork. She can fight off the back foot. She can apply the pressure and She's become a harder puncher in her own part, and she can also mix it up with the head kicks. As for Wei Lee, she's become a very comfortable striker. She's become very comfortable with exchanging in the pocket with her hands. And even on the ground, she's shown bits and flashes. She's shown some grounded pounds. She has a submission finish, I believe, over Jessica Aguilar, who's a, a credential grappler in her own. So we've seen, we got a matchup between two very well-rounded mixed martial artists who fight at a very high a very high pace. I believe both fighters land at least over four significant strikes a minute. So they keep a high pace. They're very well-rounded and there's no way this fight's going to disappoint. So it's just going to be interesting to see how everything plays out in this matchup. Who has the advantages and the grappling and the stand-up and then all of those things. Yeah, this is fireworks for sure. Uh, looking at the line here from, I, I believe it's, yeah, it's William Hill, Hill Sportsbook that ESPN gets their betting lines from. Plus 160 for Rose as the underdog. Whaley minus 190 coming off that year plus layoff. Um, Nami Yunus, she obviously did what people thought was impossible and beat Joanna for the title, and nobody thought that was going to happen. But then lost to Andrade, came back and avenged that loss. I, I really think that we're in the Whaley era, so it's difficult for me to go against picking her for this fight. And at minus 190, I think that's, I mean, it, we talk about Andrade getting disrespected in the last fight. This is just a lot of respect shown for Nami Yunus. This could easily be a bigger line. I think uh, physicality and where these two fighters are in their career, for that reason, I'm going to say that Whaley is going to defend her title and we're going to see another classic in this strawweight division, but I do see Whaley walking away with it. Uh, I don't see split decision. I see more of like a late, late fifth round stoppage, just because it's similar to the Gaethje Ferguson fight where the referee's just like, I'm tired of seeing you get punched in your face. I'm sorry. Let's, let's go home and uh, let's get, get you some ice bags and, and everybody goes home happy. So I'm going with Whaley. Uh, Nico, who are you picking in this fight? Not so fast, Jimmy. I don't. I don't think Rose is going to be a person that. I mean, maybe maybe she's a person that's just beaten up so bad, but like, she she's she's not going to go down. I think that easily. So I, I'm going to go with the underdog here. I'm going to go with Rose. I think, I think Zhang. Like I said, I think all three of these women. I mean, both these women in this fight, and then I throw Yuana in this conversation too. I think all three of these women can. You can have all three fight each other. 10 times and you're going to have a winner at different times. Like it's, it's, it's not necessarily Zhang is, is very, very powerful. I think she, she, I don't, I don't see her as dominant as, as necessary. Everyone else is else is because that Joanna fight, Joanna fight. He, she, she was, she was fighting very well. She was, and she, she had that win in the bag, but 
Yoana was not going away. And I think if she leaves the door open, I think Rose might try to capitalize on that. So I'm going to give Rose a slight nod here. All right, Rev, you got to break the tie. Uh, who are you picking in the fight? Well, it's kind of a coin flip fight, whereas the person I'm rooting for is not actually the person who I'm going to pick to win. So after the comments that Rose kind of made about Wei Li with the better dead than red comments about how Wei Li represents communism and all this and that, I'm rooting for Wei Li to win this fight. But this is one of those coin flip fights where I can see Rose pulling it off. And I think I'm going to pick Rose because she tends, she has a tendency to start off fights really fast. Around one, around one and two, she comes in on fire. She does a good job maintaining distance and, in the Jessica Andrade fights, the last two or the last two fights she had against Jessica Andrade, she did a good job fighting off the back foot and catching Andrade on the way in. And I think she could do that to Wei Lee. The issue with Rose is that sometimes as fights goes on and she's in against elite competition, she'll tend to slow down a little bit if you could put the pressure on her in rounds three and four and things like that. And I can see this being a decision where Rose squeaks it out, whereas like a spit decision where Rose starts off winning the first half of the fight, but Wei Li comes on strong and starts to pressure her a little bit and wins the second half of the fight. But I think Rose kind of wins that type of split decision where she does enough in the first half of the fight to win. All right, I guess I'll be the odd man out on that one. I, I don't mind being the only one picking Wei Li Zhang because it's not like I'm picking the Browns to beat the Steelers every single time. Yeah, I'm throwing the Steelers out there, Rev. I know you're, you're, you you like that kind of stuff. Um, but now the big question, guys. Jorge Masvidal is he bringing the BMF title to the Octagon this weekend? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, well, it was it was a thought. It could be a, he could look to be a, a champ, BMF champ, I guess. But we have a I rematch mean, if, at one seventy. If he wins, maybe he has a double champ. He has both around him. Uh, that could be we'll possible. That's what. <laughs> Maybe The Rock will be able to present him this title belt because we're going to have fans back in Jacksonville for this event. Um, but let's get serious, even though I think this is probably the least going to be the least entertaining and most one-sided of these three title fights. Kamara Usman, 18-1-0, and pretty much the dominant welterweight champion of this era. We, we've seen the Matt Hughes, the GSPs. You can say Tyron a little bit, but Kamara was really taking that belt and ran with it. Um, and he is now going up against the guy who used to fight in Kimbo's backyard circuit, Jorge Masvidal, Mr. Two-Piece in a soda, knocked out Ben Askren. Uh, is that still – that's the, still the fastest UFC KO in, in history, right? I think it beat McGregor by like a second. Yeah, it beat McGregor, I think, by – I think the Masvidal one was yeah. like nine seconds and Connor was like 11. I think yeah. knocking hey. out Ben Askren is beginning to lose his value as the days go on. I was going to, I was going to say that, I mean, Askren lasted just a little bit longer against Jake Paul. So and he's improving on the feet. That's what we'll say. Um, but yeah, this, this fight, I already gave my thoughts on it and it's pretty easy. I mean, to, to see who I I'm going to pick in this one, I'm just going to go out and say it. I'm picking Kamaro to defend this title it's minus 420 plus 330 odds again and i think this one might be legit this is one of the more underdeserved title fights that i can remember being just given to somebody based on the name you can say that there's not really anybody else that could i mean leon edwards is kind of sitting there like hey what's going on why can't i get a title fight um so i get why they did it but i think this is going to be a beat down i see 
Kamaro dominating and, and getting a stoppage similar to the Colby Covington fight. Um, but I'll, I'll let you guys go now. And uh, Rev, I'll let you go first. Do you, who, who do you, uh, what do you see happening and who are you picking in this one? Yeah. So before he went on air, I kind of said, this is the rematch nobody asked for. And I just, I just, it's hard to see Masvidal being very competitive against a guy in Kamara Usman, who we know he's, he's a very solid grappler, kind of has a concept where he puts you up against a fence. And it's kind of a rinse repeat where he takes you down, holds you up against a fence, gets you in the wrist right positions. If you get up, he'll hold you in a clinch, dirty box until he gets a chance to take you down. And if not, he can just hold you up against the fence and just kind of just hit you with foot stomps and shoulder strikes off fight like how he did in the first fight against Masvidal. And I just kind of feel like he has too many ways to just kind of just manhandle him there in the grappling department. His striking is also getting better. He looked comfortable after going through a scary first round against Gilbert Burns. He got a little bit more settled in, found his jab and just kind of dictated control. And even I think that's something that could work well against Masvidal if he doesn't just zero in on striking. I think he's fighting more discipline. He's working behind the jab. And if he fights in spurts on the feet and then mixes it in with the takedowns and clinch control, there should be no reason why Usman doesn't get at least a 50-45 and maybe even 44 or 43 on some scorecards. Yeah, I, mean, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, Nico. I'll let you, because I know you're you're high on Masvidal. You like you like the BMF champ. So what what are you seeing in this fight? So, okay, yes, this is the this is the rematch no one asked for. But this fight, like, look, the first the first time they fought, they saved the first UFC big pay, the biggest first UFC pay per view card back because it was the first fight on Fight Island back in the summer of last year. And at the time, Gilbert Burns and, and Usman were the, were the main event. And Burns contracted COVID, and we had a situation where Masvidal had to take 11 days' notice. And, yes, for any fighter, it does not matter who you are, 11 days' notice for a fight to cut that much. And then you have, you have to quarantine for at least half of more than half of those days then go travel to a different country that you didn't wasn't already planned for. Look, I'm not I'm not making excuses, but Usman dominated the first matchup. But Usman knew what he had to do because he knew Masvidal wasn't going to last outside of one round. He knew that if I backed him against the, like, up against the wall, like, up against the fence for all five rounds, that I will easily win a unanimous decision. And to me, that's weak. Honestly, it was a weak move. He has fought a lot better. He, the Gilbert Burns fight was absolutely amazing, what he did to him. But that was a weak move. He was kind of dodging Usman a little bit, in my opinion. He knew how to win the fight, and he knew exactly what he needed to do the first time. This second time, I, have, I need Usman to not do that again. Usman, if, if, if Usman does what he did against Gilbert Burns to Masvidal, I'll be like, you know what? I could throw his hat into the ring of some of the greatest welterweights of all time. If he says, Masvidal, I'm just going to back you up against the fence and then control you the whole for, for 25 minutes, then, he is, he, he, then he's not it to me. He's just not. Because Masvidal is going to try to stand out of the box. He's going to be more prepared because he's had a full camp. Um, he, he's going to be more aware of it, of the situation. He, he's, I, I am almost positive that he is almost, he has worked on his uh, takedown defense, at least every other 
training session, I hope, um, because that's exactly what he's going to have to be doing all fight. Um, but I hope that this is a good fight. Like, Mas- like, like I said, I, I'm going to be rooting for Masvidal because I think he is, he's a very entertaining fighter and I love his charisma and what he can do. Do I think he's going to win? No, because I think Usman will do the exact same thing. I think Usman's just going to control him, and I think that's just going to be the end of it. I don't want it to go five rounds, but I feel like it's going to. Um, I, I hope that Usman comes out and just fucking swings uh, and, and and does what he did against Burns, where he was actually rocked in the first round. And then the second round, he's like, fuck you. I'm actually still the champ. And then he came out and, said, and dominated his presence. I think I'd hope we see a similar situation to the Gilbert Burns fight here. I hope that maybe Masvidal comes out, punks him a few times, Times. Usman wakes up and be like, fuck, this guy actually had a full camp. And then he locks in, takes it seriously, and we see the Nigerian nightmare that we know and love from Usman. So I am going to be rooting for Masvidal because I want a good fight and I like the upsets. But it, but or sorry, I'm going to yeah, root for Masvidal, but Usman's going to win. Uh, yeah, and that Col- I'd settle for a Colby Covington fight performance from Masvidal as well because that fight was a lot of really entertaining when he stopped him in the fifth round. Uh, broke his jaw early on in that fight too. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun card. It's three title fights. It's always fun. And the pay-per-views, you know, you can say what you want about some of the fight night cards. I think they've been still pretty entertaining. The pay-per-views have there been nothing but fireworks the past three three times. I think the past two, 260, you mean, Jimmy, <laughs> I'm going back to UFC one. <laughs> they've all been, entertaining. I said the past, the well, past yeah, three, they're I all know. entertaining. <laughs> they're <Yeah>. all entertaining. <laughs> they are all entertaining, but uh, Rev, thank you for coming back on and go ahead tell the people where, where they can find you because you, you are blogging for the unhinged website, but you're also a pretty fun follow, especially if you're an MMA fan on Twitter uh, and you've been in a couple beefs with some UFC heavyweights. You can kind of find my random tidbits of thoughts, whether it's Instagram or Twitter at Rev Coca, R-E-V-K-O-K-A, Rev Coca. You can find me there, IG, Twitter, wherever. Be sure to follow him and be sure to check out the blogs being written at unhingedsn.com by all three of us. Nico's been writing a lot of NBA blogs. And if you're a big Denver sports fan, you're going to be enjoying the one that he's putting out tomorrow as you're listening to this because he's got something in mind for the Jokic for MVP oh, campaign. I got a lot of things that I got to get off my mind. I'll just put it that way. You, you got me defending him on Twitter to, to other accounts too. So it's not like nobody's drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, follow the podcast on Twitter at FEOTB pod. You can listen to us premiere on the Unhinged Sports Network every Wednesday from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern. And we're available on demand right afterwards. This is also a YouTube clip on our channel. Be sure to subscribe if you're watching there and uh, catch all the other clips that we're putting out because we put out two clips a week and then we're starting to put out some highlight videos of the stuff we're actually going out and doing. We have my golfing, our golfing outing highlights up there and our team far end men's rec league highlights where Nico's got a little bit of a splash to his three-point shot sometimes. Jeremy also had some good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shooter, shoot, shoot. I even make the video. You got to watch all the way till the end, but uh, yeah, that's, pretty much everything follow our unhinged sports network at network unhinged on twitter unhinged sn on instagram and the link to listen live 24 7 pro. but for that this has been far into the bench episode 37 thank you rev for joining us again and for myself and nico we'll see you guys next week peace this is a dollar belt
Was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them purses and I made it a habit. Towing them pistols and serving them addicts. That was exciting to me. I'm so excited to be. Started with nothing, we had to inspire the beat. Elephants again, head to me. I'm getting to it. Feel like the man, I got the plan. I call the shooters, they out with the van. Play with the squad, get piled like a sand. Piled like a perk, I'm going ham. I'm going crazy, I'm yeah, we sticking up for nigga. Let that music like I look a sand. I'm in the kitchen, compressing the bird. Take out a nine and I sell it.